Monsters, Motorbikes and Murder. Welcome to Marvel vs. Marvel. It's the podcast where a comedian who has never ever read a Marvel comic book before in his life rewatches a Marvel movie or a TV show and then quizzes a Marvel expert. Someone who has been reading Marvel comics their whole life and in fact was taught to read with Marvel comics. Hello and welcome to the latest episode. My name is Rob Holden, the Marvel expert for this journey. And I'm joined as ever by the man that's powered by pure ignorance, it's Will Preston. Ignorance has been activated. Ignorance (laughs) mode has been engaged. (laughs) Activate activate ignorance, another great t-shirt idea. (laughs) We're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. Um, physical physical media physical stuff yeah that's what marvel versus marvel needs stuff Stuff. it's be it's really great bring back in the saddle we had a little Mm. mini break after our epic uh, epic april month and uh howard the duck was our last one which was a a tour de force i genuinely think one of our best episodes Um, (laughs) i had a lot of fun with that i had so much incredible yeah and now uh we are stepping back into the marvel animated universe of the 1990s this mm. is the the this was the MCU for kids in the 1990s the cartoons that were uh, available on all the different networks saturday morning shows we've done x-men we've done spider-man we've done iron man it is time for the incredible hulk to get the mvm treatments coming up on this episode backdoor pilots for things that never happened some behind the scenes production intrigue the origins of the 1990s ghost rider a different one than we've seen before the secrets of canada's answer to the avengers canada's very own super team the time they cured the hulk and a big announcement about the next step in our Marvel journey. You're going to want to pay attention for that one. All to come in this episode. It's a spicy one today, Will. I'm I'm doing the uh, Italian chef. Yeah, the the racist symbol of Italians everywhere. Well done, Will. Yeah, (laughs) It's a good job it's not a video podcast. It's a good job we have... lazy stereotypes. We have no fans in Italy. It's fine. We check the stats. We do. We've got fans everywhere. Oh, God. Um, They'll both hate that. Listen, uh, yes, Italian fans, please get in touch so we can yell at Will for his uh, only having one point of reference for any uh, nationality around the world. That point of reference is The Simpsons, which is, of course, just lazy stereotypes. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't mean to be offensive. He's just very narrow in his in his viewing of the world. If you haven't got four fingers and a yellow, he's not you know he's not that okay with it. This is a fantastic defence. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that would stand up in court? Your Honour, I was not personally being offensive. I was merely referencing The Simpsons. He looks like a racist, but at the same time, have you <laughs> listened to him talk? A <laughs> <laughs> uh, big, monstrous episode of Marvel vs. Marvel that I'm really, really looking forward to. I love it when we go back um, to, to the animated universe. It's a nice little sidestep on our journey of course our journey is all about finding out how marvel comics these characters and these stories from the 1960s and and, and beyond became so popular that they now 
dominate the entertainment industry completely. And it's not it's just not good enough, Will. It's just no. not good enough no. to only look at the modern MCU movies. No. That's why we have to go back and take a look at Spider-Man uh, in, in the year 2002 and the X-Men and Blade from 1998. That's why we have to go back and look at these these uh, these movies that existed before the MCU. That's why we have to go back and look last week at the very first Marvel movie ever made. I don't want to hear any arguments. How with the duck? And that's why we also want to take a look at these incredibly popular animated um, cartoon series from the 1990s, which opened the door on these characters to a whole new generation. The X-Men animated series, the Spider-Man animated series, these cartoons made brand new fans of an entire generation that are still with us today and excited to see these characters today on the big screen. This is part of how we got there. We heard in our X-Men episode on the animated series how it was the X-Men cartoon that convinced Fox to make the X-Men movie. And without the X-Men movie, we might never have had the Spider-Man movie and we might never have then had the MCU what is one of our many slogans on this show? It's all connected. Connected. <laughs> I, I, I'm making more hand signals now. I don't know why. I'm it's a very some... hand signal heavy, heavy episode uh, so far, isn't it, Will? Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't know why. Um, looking forward to some more hand signals as the show uh, continues. What would be your hand signal uh, for, for me? If you had to sum me up in a hand signal, what would it look like? Quite a jolly... <laughs> <laughs> it was a, ladies and gentlemen, folks at home. It was a full-on dance. The <laughs> arms, elbows were swinging. It was very good. I like it. I'm taking it. I'm having it. Um, yeah, it's a jolly I little dance. Mine for you would be. <laughs> bit of that, bit of that motion. Bit of that. The thought. Questioning the universe. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we go any further, mm. we do want to find out what Willie P has been up to on the world of the interweb. Um, it used to be Twitch, and now it's all about the TikTok. What have you been up to? What can we do? How can we engage with more of Will Preston? Well, I, I make silly videos pretty much every day, and I sometimes go live on there for a little chat. So if you have a phone and spare time, uh, we, which we all do right now, uh, you can <laughs> find me. It's The Will Preston. If you go on TikTok, just search for The Will Preston. My face is there. You, you'll know. You'll know when to see. <laughs> My face is. They might not. This is an audio. This is an audio format. They might have never seen your face before. But we do include the logo. Uh, That's a good point. Yeah, we do. Uh, My we face do. is on the logo. To, uh, to, to reiterate, I am the bald one. And I am the one that's going bald. <laughs> In another couple of years, there'll be not a full head of hair on this show. It's going to be a depressing sight for all people to see. But TikTok, it's a fantastic place um, for comedy. It really is. Mm. It's so inventive. There's so many brilliant... It's so... You know, in different ways than Twitter and, and things like that, and especially, you know, than Instagram, which is just not a funny place in general. No, TikTok is, no. is like the place for comedy, and it's great. Your videos on there are genuinely really funny. I laugh all the time at them. Um, so I, I urge anyone that like what does like a giggle, um, you want to be checking out the Will Preston on TikTok. I must give a content warning, though. Some of my stuff, oh, yeah. it, some of my stuff is about video games, so... You know, <laughs> I did. I did a good one uh, about Mass Effect. 
if you ever played the game Mass Effect about how the awkward conversations happened. If you if you like Mass Effect and awkward RPG conversations, oh You'll, boy, this is a channel for you. <laughs> and 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 please don't forget, folks at home, um, we we want to be able to influence Will's TikTok content. Um, so you know you can find us uh, on, on Twitter at Marvel Versus, and we want to get it trending. We want to make it happen. The hashtag is Make Will Twerk. That's what we want to see <laughs> on TikTok. We just want Will doing one of those dances. You know the fun, the fun, sexy time dances they have on TikTok. Yeah. That's what we want. So send us the message hashtag Make Will Twerk. Um, if we get enough of them. I don't know. It might happen. It'll definitely happen. Look at his face. It's definitely going to happen. All depends. (laughs) Before we take another step on this incredible Hulk journey, I want us to travel back to the year 1996, 1997, around that time. And let us climb inside the mind of an average Joe, a man that's barely read any printed word, let alone a comic book. It's the ignorant Will Preston, our resident muggle. In your muggly mind, Will. Your mm. ignorant I, <laughs> I, I, mind. It just, 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 just hasn't read the printed word like some kind of gumbo child. Oh, gumbo kid. Gumbo um, gum kid, yeah. I, I actually didn't like reading a lot until I went to uni. And then I like, really got into like, oh, books are way better than films. <laughs> yeah, I think I think school can kill anyone's it, love of reading, really. It really did, I think. I think school really did that. But then I was like, yeah, oh, I, I, Brett Easton Ellis is American Psycho. They wouldn't let us read this in school. <laughs> and I studied. I mean, we we know studied makes it sound very oh, noisy. And yeah, we had to, you know, we had to do Shakespeare at school. Oh. I discovered once I left school, I loved Shakespeare, <laughs> but school really killed it for me. Anyway, anyway, um, what was your you you had seen the uh, X Men cartoon? Mm. We knew that about you. We know that about you. You hadn't seen the Spider Man one. You hadn't seen the Iron Man one. Did you have any viewing uh, experience of of this uh, incredible Hulk series from nineteen ninety six, nineteen ninety seven, when it got to our shores? I think. No, podcast over. No, uh, I <laughs> I uh, remember seeing adverts for it on like really? Fox Fox Kids or you know f- you know Fox Kids Channel, whatever it was. And every now and again, you say, "Yeah, and coming up later is the Hulk," and you just see the Hulk like punch a wall. And I was like, "He does mm-hmm. that. He likes that. It's one of his like, big things." So, I, I, but 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 I think I think my only frame of reference for the Hulk is I used to watch the old seventies TV show with Bill Bigsby. So yeah. I, I I I think. I was like, eh, I've seen the TV show that I'm not really interested. Uh, I, I, however, I would like us to, to cover the, the old 70s Incredible Hulk. Oh, 100%. We'll have to do that Excellent. at some point. Oh, it's going to be good. Y- you are right. It's, it's not... Like, I can see that if that's your... If the re- repeats... Mm. What do they call it in America? Reruns. Reruns. What's a rerun? Uh, of, of that show, Back to the Future, of yeah, that show... Um, if if that's in your head as mm. as your form of reference for the Hulk, then I can see a kid not being that excited about the cartoon series because yeah. that show, it's it's old and dated. Um, yeah. when you're when you're in the nineties, uh, it's about a middle aged man mainly, <laughs> and sometimes there's a slightly bigger bloke painted green. It's not the same kind of wild science fiction trip that the comics are or that this cartoon series would be. So I can really see that being despite the fact that that 70s show 
were, not that seventies show. Not the, that. <laughs> the seventies Hulk show. That seventies yeah. Hulk show. Imagine a sitcom, right? It's the same as that seventies show, but the little nerd kid Eric is actually the Hulk. <laughs> so they have a they have a wacky social dilemma, and he can't kiss a girl, and then he becomes a big green fella and punches everyone. No. No. Um, Despite the fact that that Hulk 70s show was hugely popular in its time, I can see that by the time you're a kid in the 90s, if that's your predominant thought about the Hulk, it can be like, ugh, a middle-aged guy having problems. But you'd think that the cartoon, just a bit of the cartoon would be enough, but apparently not, because you could say the same thing about Batman. uh, Batman, the 1960s series, and then Mm. you had... Obviously, you had the Tim Burton film, but very shortly I think, after. I think I think it's that it's the Burton movie was the we don't forget we had Batmania that was no joke Batmania was everywhere there was a tidal wave of merchandise toys mm-hmm. adverts games yep. video games that is a trading card stickers that is a big 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 thing for a kid for a kid. Going back, how I got into wrestling, you know, how I went from it being a thing my elderly relatives watched on a Saturday, and I watched and went, yeah, it's all right, to a thing I was obsessed with, was and desperately wanted to consume, was the toys and the games, the stickers, (laughs) the cards, the video games, the cartoons. That is what does it. And and Batmania, we didn't have Hulkmania. Um, Hulk Mania is the correct. Uh, Hulk, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. We, we we've, we co- we've covered this before. The Hulk um, hulking up or hulking, yeah, out, hulking uh, sideways. That's what we want. Hulking. Sideways. So yeah, none of these cartoons. I think the X Men cartoon had a semblance of that. As mm. we discussed, go back to the archive, pick it off the shelf. Evergreen content, folks. Check it out. In that, we do talk about how that cartoon was a phenomenon. Uh, we had toys, we had merchandise, we had Mac. It was the big McDonald's Happy yep, Meal. Yep. That's a huge deal as a kid. Oh, it's a Happy Meal toy I actually want, and not just another racing car. You should, um, you should have seen me when Sonic the Hedgehog was a, was a Happy Meal toy. Was that like a year ago? No. <laughs> when the movie came out. No, it was in the 90s. When Sonic, oh, okay. It's a time with Sonic 3 on the Mega Drive. Sorry, Genesis for the Americans out there. Um, yeah, so I, 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 I can, I can, I can understand how it was not. Did, and you didn't have any of the Hulk toys that came off the back of this this show? No, that my literally my only exposure to this uh, gamma exposure. There we go. My own exposure to Very this. Good. There we go. Was was literally just a little snippet on on like Fox mm. Kids on 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 back on cable television. Cable, not satellite. Cable. Cable television. Uh, it's one of the. I think this might be the only of the entire Marvel animated shows we're looking at that had toy lines. This yep. is the only one I didn't have any action figures from. Hmm. I already had a Hulk and didn't need another one. Thank you very much. <laughs> one Hulk's one Hulk's fine. Yeah, and I'm not sure if they. I'm struggling to even picture. I can't. I can picture all the other ones in my local toy shops when I was a child. I can't picture any of these Hulk ones on the shelves. So perhaps mm. there was not a huge amount of it on these shores, the the kingdom of the United Countries. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So this is the bit where we turn to mm. our objective. I mean, I'm I'm handling the expertise on one side of the coin, mm. and here's the yin to my yang. The guy that handles 
for things that happen not on the page but behind the screen. Yes, um, Willie P. What can you tell us? I know you've got you've said you've got an awful lot to talk about um, when it comes to the production of this series. Um, so, what can you tell us about this 1996 Incredible Hulk cartoon cinema experience? Right, in no particular order, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through it. Well, basically, uh, this did come off as expected the of the booming success of Spider Man and X Men, uh, both done in 19, one done in 1992, other in 1994. Uh, that was on Fox. So UPN, I don't know what that is. United Parcel United, Network, United United Paramount Network. It's the, no, this is the Paramount. Uh, this is Paramount Company. Paramount's company, right? Mm. Okay, so they wanted a piece of Marvel's animation success, and so a new series was commissioned. Given the popularity of the character, uh, most of Marvel's heavy hitters were already on Fox or would be done before at this point in time. It simply had to be the Incredible Hulk. That can I just jump in? That makes sense. Yeah, I can really yeah, see yeah. that. If you're um, sitting there in 1995 or whatever, and you're looking at it, X Men were weren't anybody, and now they're huge. Spider Man has always been big. You're looking at another Marvel property to use. Well, the only like proven success is the Hulk. Oh, absolutely! That, the, yeah. the, again, the Bixby series, and it already did have a fairly successful cartoon series as well. So, like, let, let's say you were given the choice of like I don't know, Fantastic Four, mm. um, Iron Man, or Hulk. As a as a business person that knows nothing about comics, you're gonna go Hulk because it's got that that proven track record i guess oh absolutely the, the proven track record is already there and there's stuff that hasn't probably hasn't been explored in the 1970s tv show i don't know i did see a, a clip where he fights uh thor and it was there's very- thor there's daredevil um there's a lot a lot for us to do yeah i can't, so, I, can't, I, can't I can't wait yeah. for that uh but yeah anyway anyway back to my back to my fact uh so it had to be the Incredible Hulk. Marvel entrusted the Incredible Hulk to supervising producer Tom Tataranowitz. That is a name. Tataranowitz. Tataranowitz. You did very well. Yeah, very good. Excellent stuff. Tataranowitz. Just, just say Tom from here on out. Tom hey. Tataz. Tom. No, don't do that because that is like you're mocking his surname, which is obviously has a proud heritage. So oh, sorry. Just shorten it to Tom. Very sorry about that. So, so Tom T. Tom T. <laughs> After, help, after he helped overhaul the syndica- syndicated Fantastic Four animated series and Iron Man to more critical approval in their second seasons and gave the, and gave the Hulk a backdoor pilot and tempt, uh, attempt in both shows. So, yeah, that's how, it, that's how, that's how it all started off. As we, we, when, we, when we talked about the... Uh, we, we covered the Iron Man cartoon series. The first series is, is uh, really ridiculed and it's a hard, hard slog, as we found. Yeah... Yeah. And then this is the guy that overhauled it for the second series and changed it around. Exactly the same story with the Fantastic Four. I, um, I never. So, do, did the Fantastic Four cartoon t- series get better in the second one rather than this? They both did. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's um, that's really good to hear. We, we've actually messed up our timeline a little bit because we should be doing Fantastic Four before Hulk. <laughs> but we, I think what happened is we did the mega month of April. Oh, we put the Fantastic Four on the back burner, and we forgot to do it before Hulk. Oh, I knew there was another <laughs> one on the back sequence. burner. There's out a... of sequence. Oh well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We 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 we're fun. We're fun guys. We're not. We're not. 
I mean, okay, if it was me, what? In, if, it, if it was me in charge, we would do everything in chronological order because I'm really weird like that. Oh, what what's happening now is Will is trying to convince himself this is okay as his mind is screaming at him. This is wrong. <laughs> this is a nightmare. Hey, hey, who here has I'm an alphabetized alphabeti- <laughs> DVD collection obsessively? Um, so yeah, back to the show. It ran for two seasons for 21 episodes on UPN from 1996 to 97. So, you know, fairly short, like Fantastic Four and uh, Iron Man. Uh, toys based on the show were produced, but Rob bought none, apparently. Uh, yeah, did not support this show. Did not. <laughs> this show no. did not speak to me as a child. No. <laughs> well, well, I... I it did, but I just didn't... I, I, I think it's a lack of supply. Mm. And there's a lot more competition. There's a lot more competition. Like, I don't want... Um, I don't want, like, wall-smashing Hulk and um, bar-bending Hulk. And I don't want lots of different Hulks. I want lots of different characters. Yeah. So I want them to have produced, like, uh, you know... I probably wouldn't have bought a Rick Jones figure, but Rick you know, Jones. with the Fantastic Four, there's four main characters and there's loads of cool villains. Iron Man, loads of cool supporting cast and villains and stuff. Yep. Hulk, it was just buy another Hulk. <laughs> it was Hulk and some people either running at or running away from him. That's, that's yeah. That, if they'd yeah. done all the guest stars, that would have been different. That, that, but the guest stars were already kind of being done by yeah. Spider Man and, and X Men and stuff. So exactly, exactly. Uh, the, the interesting thing, as with all of these shows, are of course some of the voice actors. Not as interesting as what was it? Who who was on Spider Man playing uh, that Oscar winning actor who's dead? Who who played uh, Scorpion? Well, I forget now. Martin Landau. It's been a while ago. Martin, Martin Landau. Landau. It. Yeah. it was like stuff like what? Martin Landau? Really? Okay. Uh, we had in here. We had uh, okay. We had Neil McDonough playing uh, Bruce Banner, uh, and I only mentioned this. Because he was Dum Dum Dugan in the first Captain America film, so that was quite a nice link. I thought. When you said the first Captain America film, what do you mean? The first Avenger, the first the MCU, MCU one. The MCU Is one. that he, right? He, he was oh. Dum Dum Dugan, and I looked it up. That and I, guy I, 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 does I just, the voice. That guy does the voice. Yep, of Bruce. Wow, because he he's like a, a. I've seen him. He's in lots of TV shows and stuff. Yeah, he pops up. I looked at his stuff. Yeah. yeah um, of course, it goes without saying that the Luferino reprises his role as the Hulk in this show, which I felt was a nice touch. Uh, also, not only that, despite playing the character in the 1970s series, this was the first time Luferino had speaking lines as the Hulk. Of course! <laughs> Be- yeah, you played him for, for years and years and years on telly, and all you do is go, Rawr. well, now you get to go, Hulk sad. Hulk yeah, and he actually has a good voice for it, which I felt they were missing out from the 70s TV series, which is quite uh, annoying. Uh, also, Rick Jones is played by Luke Perry. 90s heartthrob Luke Perry. 90s heartthrob Luke Perry plays Rick Incredible. Jones. Yeah. Uh, unsurprisingly, uh, Gargoyle uh, is played by one of the greatest voice actors for cartoons and video games, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Hamill. He is, I think he's in. He's in. He's in. He's in everything. He's in every. I mean, it's surprising he doesn't get a role in um, Spider Man. Really, with a lot of those guest stars coming and yeah. going, I'm amazed he didn't get to voice one of them. I, I'm but surprised yes, he hasn't had much uh, uh, involvement in the MCU because you know he he fits mm. that he fits that Venn diagram of guy who can do voices and nerd guy. You know what I mean? Nerd icon guy who can do loads of voices like. 
Yeah, yeah I, I, I do wonder, because the MCU don't like to... They don't do a huge amount of, let's take a classic nerd character, actor, character actor, and put them in the show, yeah. in the movie, for any role. DC like to do a lot of that in their TV shows. Yeah. Um, but but it might it might be, and I can definitely see this, someone going, yeah, but everyone's just going to go, well, that's Luke Skywalker. It also might be... There might be something in a contract somewhere. Oh no, it's all Disney. It's all, all it's by all, Disney. All, everything's Disney yeah, now, good mate. Point. Look, look, good point, Rob. Star Wars, Marvel, those headphones you're wearing, all Disney, all Disney. <laughs> <laughs> My dad's now owned by Disney. Oh, that was so it was such a disappointing thing to see. I know he but stopped yeah, swearing. They bought him out. <laughs> they bought, bought him out. Stop swearing. Yeah, they bought him out now. It's such a shame, really. They oh, bleep, well. bleep, bleeps out all his anti-Chinese sentiments. Yeah, I have to pay six quid a month for him to be my dad. It's dreadful. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, also, I, it, 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 people are going to think I'm weird for including this in, in the voice cast. Uh, Ghost Rider was played by Richard Grieco, and I only add that because I think... Because my only point of reference is Night of the Roxbury and the episode of It's Always Sunny where Dee accidentally f- finds out that she was accidentally uh, an extra on a porno. Who's he playing that? Uh, he, he plays himself. Richard Grieco plays himself. He's got this oh. uh, really good voice like this. You know, like, aged Isn't he, he? He's also... Um, he's also... Isn't he in Spaceballs? Oh, that would be brilliant if he... Actually, I don't know. No, I didn't see... I his, think he's in Spaceballs. Uh, I might be getting confused with somebody else on the show. Let's carry on. Don't worry about it. So, <laughs> this is the fact I found that I really love, and you were talking to me about it before the show. I couldn't believe this. Yeah, I found it. I found it. I was like, okay, okay. So, the UPN executive assigned to the show uh, really had no feeling for what the Hulk was about, nor what was most important to an action-adventure show in general, nor to Marvel fans in particular. There are a lot of creative differences, but what was discussed in most of those network meetings was her obsession with fashion. She kept insisting that everyone looked like they just stepped out of a shop on Rodeo Drive. Hardly a look that would fit any of the main characters. The episode delivered to network tended to reflect those creative choices of the production company over those of the network. This changed in season two. That is insane. That's mad. That That's is insane. Mad. To have this fashion conscious eye on an Incredible Hulk. Um, uh, uh, apologies to anyone in America. Uh, Will was trying to say Rodeo Drive. Uh, oh, Rodeo Drive. Yeah. Because it says Rodeo. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, in the in the in the not so great area of Rodeo Drive, they all call it Rodeo Drive. Uh, okay. But then where all the shops are, it's apparently that's where Rodeo comes from. I forgot because roads in America are so so bloody long that they can have a bad area. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and then the best, most expensive shops, you know, in the in the in the in the West Coast. Yeah, um, that is that is that is absolutely madness to 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 have someone at the network focused on what Rick Jones's clothes are going to look like in this in this series. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. I I didn't pay attention to the clothes. I just thought, oh, they, they they're just basic clothes. They're basic clothes. Did, no if, one, if, no one listened to her. That's what but, happened. No, no. But if you zoom in. You can see like designer labels. Labels, in the <laughs> designer labels on the clothes. Okay, so we've got. Some, it, it, yeah. it does feel like that was written by a very misogynistic, sexist guy, and then they had a female executive, and you know what she was concerned about? 
fashion. Like that sounds like a ridiculous stereotype. You say this now, it does. It is written in such a way that sounds like a prank. But I, yeah. I, I would like someone to prove this wrong to me, or, or, <laughs> or like, like provide me more information as to what happened here. Because I even writing it down, I was like. Okay, I was like, well, this this does sound a bit fishy, but at the same time, oh, this is definitely going in the podcast. Definitely what talking else, about this. What, what else can you tell us about what this, else? this quickly, uh, series, Will? Quickly mosey along down Rodeo Drive. <laughs> 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 the series featured multiple, uh, multiple guest stars from other Marvel cartoons of the time, like Iron Man and Fantastic Four, all using the same voice actors to connect the show together, same way as they do the MCU, which is nice. Like, That's really great, yeah. That's really good. Uh, unlike the Iron Man cartoon we previously explored, it, this series was praised for having much darker themes and tone as well as a commitment to ongoing story and character arcs. Fans felt the darker tone of the first season was more in tune with the comics. Yeah, so that's really good to hear. The first series featured a number of ongoing plots, such as Betty's plan to separate Hulk and Bruce Banner, supervillain the leader and his quest to steal Hulk's powers, and the army's tenuous relationship with a ruthless S.H.I.E.L.D. agent out to kill the Hulk. All these plots converged and get resolved in the three-episode story, Darkness and Light, which ends the first series. The show was overhauled for the second series with the UPN network wanting a lighter tone to achieve much broader appeal. She-Hulk was promoted to main character status and the name of the series was changed to The Incredible Hulk and She-Hulk. The- I remember that. I, don't- I remember that on, on, on the... on the, on the uh, Yeah. I don't remember this. At- Obviously, I don't remember this because I... I remember that it suddenly became... A, like a, I remember as a kid thinking this is now... This is... Um, like She-Hulk always had a side plot or a side adventure, yeah. And Hulk always had a thing, and I remember them changing the names. Yeah, I gotta watch this more. More of this cartoon. I, I do like it, but 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 I'm a, I'm, I'm a grown really man. Good. I'm a grown <clears throat> man. I shouldn't I shouldn't have to watch cartoons, but here I am. Uh, <laughs> the okay. So where was I? The darkness and emotional introspection of the first series was abandoned, and a much heavier emphasis was placed on humor. The second season series is much less popular with fans and critics. That's a show. It, it, it's completely the inverse of what we talked about on the Iron Man cartoon. Yeah, yeah. The first series of the Iron Man is really silly. It emphasizes weird humor. Like yeah. Modok is this weird comedy baby character thing. I, um, have you seen the new series of Modok? By the way, we haven't got to it yet. No. Um, <laughs> and then the so hopefully we'll get around to it on at some point in the future episode. We'd love to do that. Um, and then the second series of Iron Man, there's when this this guy, um, what was the guy's name? Pete, Paul, Pat? No. Second series of Iron Man. Oh, the the, the producer of this that we were just talking about, ah, Tom. Tom. Tom comes aboard. Tom T. Um, and completely change, not completely change it, but get ditches tons of of supporting cast members we don't need to see. And the tone has changed, and it becomes a lot more focused. We get some much nicer two-episode, um, two-part stories, and things like that. So this is like the other way round. This time, the guy hit the ground running with season one <laughs> in all of the great storytelling stuff, and the network weighed in and go, mm, "But what if his cousin was around more often? What if they threw pies at each other? That people like pies." They turn the. I distinctly remember Gargoyle becomes a um, like a bumbling He-Man villain in the second season. Falls in love with She-Hulk and all of that. Oh, sort he of was bumbling enough in stuff. this. He was bumbling enough in the yeah, first series. It gets worse. That's. I got to watch that now just to see how far down the hole it goes. 
what can you tell us, Will, um, about, I mean, Sasquatch, I, I don't want to downplay him, but he's not exactly an A-list character. No, but no. what can you tell us about Ghost Rider turning up in this, having a very, a very, you know, he's, he's really in this episode. He's not like a throwaway cameo or he's very much in this and he was a very popular character at the time. What can you tell us about Ghost Rider in this cartoon? Well, Rob, that's, it's good you ask because basically... They're doing the same thing here. They did for the Hulk. They 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 they've tried to do for a few Marvel characters because you know how 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 extended that universe is, boy. This episode, <laughs> this episode that we're about to look at, it was intended to be a backdoor pilot for an ongoing Ghost Rider cartoon series on UPN, appearing first in an already existing series to gauge the audience interest. And uh, this has already worked for UPN as the Hulk appeared in both Iron Man and Fantastic Four cartoons. Obviously, before giving his own series, they wanted to do the same with Ghost Rider. That would have been so cool. That, that would have that would have been really cool. That would have been. But I, this is the thing. I I look on Disney Plus and I see so many like more up to date cartoons of Marvel stuff, uh, and then they have like straight to DVD films that are just animated mm. films. I think that there, there's a Ghost Rider animated series in the world. It, it was somewhere. There. I they I'm I think they did it. Oh, my memory's telling me they did it and they axed it very quickly. Maybe maybe they just only did a couple of episodes or maybe did the first series or something. Yeah, it didn't last very long. That is a shame because he's just cool. Anyway, so the character was obviously, as we've discussed, extremely popular in comic books at the time. Already had his own popular toy line from Toy Biz and had made an appearance in the Fantastic Four cartoon where he managed to defeat Galactus. Uh, as we said before, acted Richard Grieco, uh, voiced Ghost Rider. Uh, he voiced him in the Fantastic Four and just reprised his role for this episode. Uh, Ghost Rider was originally planned uh, to appear in Spider-Man, the animated series on Fox around the same time period as this episode. According to Spider-Man producer John Semper, Fox scrapped the idea because they didn't want to promote a character who would then appear to on another network with a rival cartoon series. That makes sense, doesn't it? This is like what happened with Spider-Man and the MCU with Sony. Yeah. Yeah. It's when you split up all the rights, Marvel. It's insane. You can't make money properly. Yeah, I, 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 th- I think for that, like Sony, you will become Disney-fied one day. And then we'll have proper <laughs> Spider-Man. And uh, I, I don't know what else. Fox does X. Anyway, anyway, in the end, UPN uh, passed on the idea of a uh, Ghost Rider series, perhaps due to concerns it already had that whole that the whole series was too dark for a, for a children audience. It makes sense. Yeah, I get, again, if they're gonna if they're gonna if they're gonna actually change the complexity and the tone of the Hulk series from series one to series two, and they already think it's dark, they're probably not going to commission like another dark cartoon from Ghost Rider and in hunting down you know murderers and demons and stuff. Some of us, some um, of us like some of us like darker themes as kids. I love that stuff. What I want to do when we, is, is come back and find out your opinions at the once we get to the end of this first episode of Innocent Blood. I want to come back and find out your thoughts on uh, Galactus as he appears as a character in this cartoon, how he compares to um, the Nicolas Cage movie we've looked at, and on your thoughts on whether we would enjoy seeing or you would enjoy seeing a Ghost Rider cartoon series in this mold. Okay, so we've talked to, uh, a lot about the makings of this cartoon. Rob, what can you tell us about 90s Ghost Rider? Different character to the one we talked about before. Mm. Generally, the, the, the character we looked at in the Nicolas Cage movie Ghost Rider is Johnny Blaze. Yes. 
the first Ghost Rider slash possibly the second Ghost Rider. <laughs> For more on that, check out the episode. Um, it's, it's, it's a whole big, big meaty history of Ghost Rider in that. But comic books, I mean, this was a way... Uh, it's a different character. He's called Danny Ketch. It's a way of breathing new life into a character that's made you money in the past by updating and changing the character, but mm. keeping the name and the general kind of idea of the power and the hero and everything. Superhero comics have always had lots of success with doing that. The Silver Age of comic books in kind of the 50s and the 60s, um, especially in DC, was very successful. They created new versions of pre-war characters like Green Lantern, uh, the Flash, Hawkman, Black Canary, completely different people playing, playing, <laughs> it's not a movie, completely different people. So um, it, pre-war, the Flash was called Jay Garrick and he didn't have a mask, he had a helmet. And, and then in the Silver Age, it's Barry Allen and he wears a mask and he's a very different character, but he's still called the Flash yeah, and he's still yeah. really fast. Um, in the 90s, Around this time, we're kind of on the way to see brand new characters become Green Lantern again, become Flash again. We're going to see Superman die and get replaced by four new Supermen. We're going to see Batman get crippled by Bane and be replaced by uh, a psychopath Batman. Marvel were, were going to get a brand new Thor. Um, War Machine gets heavy emphasis over Iron Man and kind of gives us a different Iron Man. And these were all really cool moments and money-making moments. And Ghost Rider really led the charge um, for for most of that. Ghost Rider was the, 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 the first and um, to, to make that change. Um, and the incredible popularity of 90s Ghost Rider, as you might call him, I think inspired a, a huge amount of that idea to let's do it all over again. It's a new silver. It's a, you know let's do the Silver Age again. Let's take these older characters and kind of inspire them with a, with a whole new bunch of infuse them with a whole new bunch of like traits and personality and stories and stuff. Mm. So this isn't Johnny Blaze. Johnny Blaze retires at the end of Ghost Rider, his series in the nineteen seventies. He stops being Ghost Rider, he settles down, the curse is over, he's actually no longer possessed by the the, the demon spirit, um, and he can go off and be Johnny Blaze again. Um, in the 90s, we get this story, um, it's Halloween in Brooklyn, um, <laughs> there, a, a young woman called Barbara Ketch is really into supernatural spooky things, she drags her younger brother Danny to a famous cemetery in 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 Brooklyn, where Houdini is buried, it's a genuine place, um, and where lots of spiritualists go and do seances, which genuinely does happen. Um, and on the way there, uh, two teenagers they, they they get they get jumped by some kids in masks who try to rob them. Danny uh, Danny Catch is too scared to do anything and fight them off. His sister stands up to them, chases the kids off, and Danny feels generally crap about himself. And then right after that, they stumble across this this gunfight between two rival drug gangs, and <laughs> they get spotted, they get shot at. Barbara is uh, gravely injured and dying. Danny tries to carry her to safety um, in an old junkyard, but they're surrounded, there's nowhere to go. His sister is bleeding to death. 
Danny tries to hide and he sees in the middle of this dusty old junkyard a brand new pristine motorbike. Covered in his sister's blood, desperate for a way to escape, Danny crawls to this bike, touches the glowing gas cap on the bike and in a blaze of fire is transformed into the new Ghost Rider. The big differences between this character and the Johnny Blaze is that um, like he becomes Ghost Rider by accident. He more that's in the more of the modern vein of superhero comics, where a kid finds a magic something or other that gives them powers. Um, we see in 1994, we see the new Green Lantern, um, Kyle Rayner. Kyle Rayner is not a strong hero who is fearless and chosen to be the Green Lantern. He's a drunk twenty-something who stumbles out the back door of a nightclub and. <laughs> finds accidentally is given the new Green Lantern ring, the last Green Lantern ring, to become... So that was a very popular thing at the time, that having this stuff thrust upon a young character. Mm. Um, So Danny doesn't go out and sell his soul like Johnny Blaze does. He's not in this, like, Faustian kind of pact with anyone. Um, Danny's bike is much, much different. This Ghost Rider, instead of, like, a 1960s Easy Rider Harley Davidson with flaming wheels... It's this amazing 1990s Japanese superbike. Yeah, I was about to say, it is that kind of Suzuki-style bike. Yeah, the big Jaffas that would crush you if it fell on you. You know, yeah, you know yeah. if it fell over on you, your legs are trapped under, underneath it. <laughs> Complete update. Um, Danny Ketch, uh, his, his, his actual Ghost Rider appearance gets a complete redesign as well. So Gone is the 70s evil Knievel jumpsuit that, that Johnny Blaze war danny has a leather jacket with metal spikes on the shoulder metal spikes on the glove stuff that we see actually in later on in the in the ghost rider movie yeah. they don't go the they don't go the evil Knievel route they go the the more up-to-date routes um ghost rider starts being referred to as a spirit of vengeance <laughs> rather than like it's a curse it's more like he's possessed by this ev- this demon that's out to avenge innocence with um brutal violence and fire it's a very anti-hero this is this ghost rider becomes much more of an anti-hero than the original one in the 70s this ghost rider is much more in the vein of punisher and wolverine two of the other super popular characters of the time um another big difference is that danny catches ghost rider has a supporting cast okay now this is an interesting thing. The Johnny Blaze is the Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider is a lot more like the Hulk. Mm. Very similar to the Hulk. He goes around the country. Johnny Blaze goes up and down at the West Coast having adventures. Um becoming Ghost Rider, having an adventure, stopping something bad, traveling on to the next town, next place. Really much like the Hulk, very much like the Hulk 70s series. Danny Ketch is different. He has a family and a girlfriend and a secret identity and villains actively trying to find out who Ghost Rider is mm. right from the start. Because as soon as he appears, he kicks some bad guy ass. The drug lords are like, we've got to find this. Yeah. Instead of going, let's never go near a flaming headman <laughs> again, they're like, we've got to find who he is and go to his house and stab his nan. I want to see um, how bad this situation can get. Let's chase Skullboy. Yeah, let's chase Skullboy. What could possibly go wrong by our chasing 
of Skullboy. <laughs> no, in, in no, in no, I, I don't think unless you're like Link from Legend of Zelda, there is nothing to be gained by going after a flaming skeleton man. Nothing to be gained. <laughs> um, only, this, unless you're in a dungeon and you need the key to get to the next level. <laughs> this version of Ghost Rider is huge. Like the popularity is massive. It's the the reason they made a video game, um, and he gets his cartoon appearances. It's the reason the mm. um, comic book was optioned by movie companies, despite the fact they haven't really had, you know, um, they hadn't had their own cartoon series. It was, but it was still so popular it gets optioned. Um, there's these incredible um, glow in the dark covers. Uh, that's one of the best-selling comic books of the 90s. It's a collector's wet dream. Mm. Um, it's a very special cover that glows in the dark. Sold crazy numbers. Um, when Marvel has a very popular character like that, they have that character do guest appearances in like every other comic book to try and boost sales. Right, they they <laughs> they did this with Spider Man loads. Yeah. They did it with when Wolverine became hot. Wolverine did it. Punisher, mm, it, it, to a certain extent, Deadpool does it quite fair. Sort of recently, they do it with with Deadpool. In the nineties, it was Ghost Rider. He was everywhere. In fact, sales of the Fantastic Four as a comic were so bad. Marvel came up with this like sales tactic, this promotional campaign to basically we're going to get more sales of the comic. By doing a storyline where the entire team is replaced, killed off and replaced by our most popular characters. So, for this little stunt, the Fantastic Four become Wolverine, Spider-Man, Grey Hulk, the the most popular characters around at the time, and Ghost Rider. That should demonstrate how popular this character is way up there with the major, major characters in Marvel at the time. In fact, this Ghost Rider was so popular, it inspired Marvel to basically launch an entire family of supernatural comic books on the back of him. It was called the Midnight Suns. They'd never done this before, like not even really with the X-Men. Although the X-Men have their own series of titles ghost it's not like it's wolverine and the x-men um the x-men are really really popular there's loads of really popular characters and different popular teams and wolverine is not in all of them the midnight suns was this brand new idea where marvel put all their supernatural characters together under the same like banner on the comic they're all separate mm-hmm. comic books but all connected and all driving towards the same overall story and then at the end of that story, all the characters came together to form a big team in a big crossover event. Sound like the MCU yet? Because <laughs> yep. So uh, we had Ghost Rider and the original Ghost Rider, Johnny Blaze, along with Doctor Strange, um, Morbius, the living vampire, who getting his own movie soon, um, and another group made up from um, the popular seventies Dracula comic book. That Marvel put out Blade, Ooh. Dracula's descendant Frank Drake, and a private, a vampire private detective called Hannibal King. Um, those <laughs> those three were were known as the Night Stalkers. Yeah. They hunted down demons and killed vampires and stuff. So this, the Night Stalkers join Ghost Rider, Blaze, Strange Morbius, and we get this big 
anti-team, not a real team. They don't hang out together and live together like the Avengers or the X-Men. They come together at these these peak mystical moments where bad juju is going down. Um, and this is the, these are the, the Midnight Suns. Um, and it didn't stop there. Like, Ghost Rider is so popular. Not only does Johnny Blaze come back and get this new badass 90s overhaul, one of my favourite characters of all time, um, but he gets his own series titled Blaze. And then there's a comic book about Ghost Rider and Blaze working together called Spirits of Vengeance. It's such a rich area of Marvel comics that the, the, the mystic stories occupied their own little corner of the Marvel Universe. They all crossed over with each other, but not outside, you know? Yeah. Um, and it all felt distinctively different to the regular superhero comics being published. In the 90s, this Danny Ketch Ghost Rider was a white, white-hot character that everyone was reading. Before we go any further on this incredible Hulk incredible episode, Will, we are constantly being harassed. No, we're constantly being contacted by the most wonderful people in the world, all you amazing listeners out there who love the show. Um, and I know, Will, you've got some, you've got some great letters in your bursting sack uh, this week. What have you got? What can, who wants to talk to us? What do they want to say, Will? What they want to, what they, what they want to say? Uh, Carl T got in touch to talk about what happened to him during our mini break. Carty? Is that a Carl B? Carl T. Carl. Carl. Carl T. Carl T. Sorry, I don't. I was thinking, no, it was me going Carl T. Okay, that's an interesting name. Not heard that one before. I, I don't. Like pause, Carlton. But... I don't pause enough when talking. It's very bad. Um, he got in touch. Well, at least you don't pause too much. Performative comedy. Like a Christopher Walken accent. No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I did, okay, Carl T said, I didn't think I'd miss the show so much when it was away, but I did. When there were no new episodes, I thought I could survive by just listening to old episodes. So there's, I, well, there's a, lot, there's a lot out there. There's a lot out yeah. there, an ever-growing list of episodes. So I re-listened to all the MCU episodes in one great big binge, oh. but, but it wasn't enough. And I was no. angry, angry at you guys for leaving me with no new episodes. I blamed you for leaving me. Oh. And, and then I realised it wasn't Rob and Will who were guilty. It was me. I was to blame because I still wasn't doing the right thing. You're damn right, Carl. You're damn right you're guilty. I had to <laughs> cleanse my soul. I signed up to your Patreon. I pledged £10 a month and made sure I'd never be left without a new episode to listen to again. I spent that two weeks listening to your bonus episodes, House of M, Secret Wars, Annihilation, Superior Spider-Man. I was in heaven. Damn right. I'm so I'm sorry I blamed you, and I'm sorry it took me so long to do the right thing. Listen, Carl, what I appreciate is honesty. Yep. Is honesty. Um and it's a it's a lot like the Catholic Church here. It doesn't matter when you get here, right? <laughs> because once you cleanse your soul, your soul is cleansed. Past sins, Carl, are forgiven. Because now you're in the church. 
of Marvel versus Marvel. And once you're in, you're in until you stop paying and then you're out. But what? <laughs> <laughs> but it's so honesty. I appreciate it. I like. I like that he was angry. I like that he like he didn't. You know when you're mad and then after a while you go, you're mad about something or about someone, and then after a while you go, no, it was it was my. I'm reacting badly to this. That's what I respect about Carl there. Yeah. I, I he, the shifting of the blame onto oneself is a selfless act. It's not shifting. It's not shifting, Will. It's just recognizing <laughs> where the fault lies. Because oh. there are more episodes out there. Yeah. It's not like we don't have more episodes out there for you. It's not like we don't provide you with the with the way we always talk about how you can get them. Yeah. As long as you do the right thing and behave correctly and cleanse your soul, Carl. That might be uh, the best letter we've ever got. <laughs> that, that is an incredibly, incredibly good letter. Uh, we got a, we, we got a, a very short uh, letter. Tweets, a tweet, a tweet, a tweet it was sized letter. A tweet-sized letter, and it's a little electronic envelope, uh, but very nice all the same. Uh, Juicy sent us a message about our epic character duck episode. She said, I basically listen to this episode every day since it came out. Did I oh. me- did I mention I missed you guys? I feel really aw- I feel really uh I feel really guilty for taking the time out to get married. <laughs> I have to tell the leaving these that, people. Yeah, I got to tell the other half, you know, I am glad we're going to spend the rest of our lives together, but you know, there was a difficult month for the podcast. I've, I've got there's, <laughs> there's a lot of people that need me, baby. You've got to share me with the world. Exactly. Uh, or thank you, like Juicy sent this, and this is like this was not like like the day after. It wasn't like I listened to it yesterday and then again today. This was several days. He listened to it every day for several days. Yeah. Who can blame her? Who can blame her? Um, that How the Duck episode. That's a good one. That's a good one. That is that is a good. I, I think we came off after that little break. We came off fresh face, and I've been wanting to do Howard the Duck for some time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you are a furry at heart. <laughs> oh, and I love 80s. I love 80s music, so yeah, what can I say? It was it, it was good. Also, uh we got another letter about Howard the Duck uh from Damien F, uh who said I vaguely remembered uh, remember Howard the Duck from my youth, but never had a desire to rewatch. I gave it another look for your latest episode, and nothing about it really changed my opinion. Just like Will said, I always viewed it as an ET or short circuit ripoff. So, that was a great point. It that was. was a really great point. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did. I make that point. Yeah, good. I'm keep putting that in the bank. So, <laughs> with no love for the character, it's weird for me to now say one. I've listened to your Howard uh, episode twice already. Uh, oh. Two. I think it's the best episode you've done. Yes, you do. Three. I've now bought myself some seventies Howard the Duck comics to get the full experience. Here we go. There we go. That's that's your. That's your goal in action there. I just had no idea of all the things that went into making this character. And that's what, that's what this podcast does the best. You have fun with the movie. You give loads of lots of cool trivia. But you also give us the full behind-the-scenes story of why these characters were so important. Who was that? That was Darren? Damien F. Damien F. Thank you so much, Damien um, I think I think two of my favourite <laughs> messages we've ever had on the show. Um, 
Yeah, I, 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 that means a lot because it's great when we inspire people. It's great to know we come, but we can still deliver a great episode for a character you didn't care about. That's that's big to me. Yeah, it's a great episode that you didn't care about, and it's also awesome that you know we've inspired you to 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 go in and check out the 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 actual comics themselves because those are really cool. That's what things is all about. Um, don't forget, folks, you can always get in touch with us um, on the Twitter, as Juicy did there, by heading to at Marvel Versus. If you want to send us a little bit more love, we, we, we'd we love a written letter. We love that, don't we, Will? Oh, like, it's good. T- it's tweets are nice, but someone's sitting down and tapping away on the keyboards for you know a couple of paragraphs. We love that, and you can always do that via Marvel versus Marvel at gmail.com. But the best place to get in touch with us is at our website, at our Patreon, patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. We interact with, with all our wonderful supporters there all the time. Don't just don't just be a consumer, because that's what Patreon's all about. Show us that love. Mm. Support us. Support the show. Don't just consume it. Be a supporter. Support it. Our supporters are our family. Our, our patrons are our family. They chat to us all the time on Patreon. They suggest new future projects. They make sure we can stay on the air because yeah. they nut up. Huh? <laughs> Not to get too graphic, but they nut up. They put that cheddar where it needs to go, and they do the right thing. Because the right thing has to be done in order for us to keep this show going, to keep dropping amazing episodes that people love, like How the Duck. Shout out to some new subscribers, Will. Ben, David N, Randall S, George B, Mike L, Richard, and I'm going to butcher this one, Laosh. Oh, no. Laosh. Laosh. Thank you, Laosh. Thank you, guys, for uh, doing the right thing, cleansing your souls, joining us. Um, where we need to be. Um, Patreon is where all our bonus content lives. Um, full-length bonus episodes where we don't we don't do a movie or a TV show. We explore comic book stories and events that haven't made it to the movies yet, but still deserve a deep dive. Um, this month we unleashed the Maestro on the world, a big meaty episode looking at, hands down, the most influential period of time in the history of the Hulk. We take a look at the multiple changes and the multiple versions of the Hulk from the end of the 80s into the 90s, a seminal time period from a writer called Peter David. And that sets us up perfectly for a deep dive into one of the best Hulk stories of all time, Future Imperfect. Already we've got listeners... Telling us this is their favourite episode. They'd never heard the story before, but now they they love the idea of the story. They're going to find it. And the Future Imperfect is their favourite episode of this podcast of all time. Um, and you can only get that on Patreon. We drop full-length bonus episodes every single month to all our patrons who pledge £10 or more. And there are 18 episodes for you to listen to. Um, of course, we got to do the big mega shout out to Peter J. Peter J is a heavy, heavy G, uh, a rough rider who doesn't just uh, put down that ten. 
He's he's up there at the, the, the tier above the 10 tier, the tier above the full-length bonus episode tier. He's at the Do the Right Thing tier, which means his name is very important and written in the stars here at Marvel vs. Marvel. But you can support us for as little as £3, which is just four twenty-five in American revolutionary dollars. And for that small token of support, we gift to you as a reward... A bonus mini episode every single month where <laughs> I take Will and you <laughs> through the most ridiculous characters in Marvel's history. Um, our obscure Marvel series is available to every single wonderful person who pledges and supports the show because we love them. They're our family. You can join the gang. You can be part of the family. All you got to do is head to patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel we have set the scene for ghost rider and the incredible hulk we've taken care of some bills we've laid the table it is time will if you can do what only you can do take us through um this oh we should probably tell them what, what we're looking at i suppose we're, yes <laughs> we we've particularly curated two episodes from the first season of the incredible hulk episodes five and six we didn't want to retread the origin of the hulks we figured we kind of did that already mm-hmm. um and we wanted to pick two episodes that have some really interesting kind of uh, things that happen in guest stars uh the first of which being uh, Ghost Rider in episode 5 Innocent Blood so Will please take it away right I'm pressing play on the not on the VHS on the VHS player and we're putting it in somewhere firefighters are hosing down an enormous blaze in a ruined building on top of a hill from the other side of a nearby cemetery a man on a motorcycle rides up and stops he takes off his helmet revealing his unshaven face He looks down to survey the damage and sees another man on a motorcycle. The second man, Rick Jones, rides up to a fireman and takes off his helmet. The firefighter tells him to move on, saying there is nothing left for anybody. Rick asks what happened. The firefighter gravely tells him that the Hulk destroyed their town. Rick puts on his helmet and rides away. The other man watches him go and then puts on his helmet. He rides down the hill... He puts on his, his hand on a mystic sigil on his motorcycle and his hand begins to light on fire and smoke. He moves his hand away as his whole hand is engulfed in flames. Meanwhile, on a nearby bridge, Rick looks on his rearview mirror and sees someone on a motorcycle on fire. He stops and turns around to help. The flaming man speeds by him, causing Rick to fall off his bike and off the bridge. So, I obviously, I didn't see the previous episode of this, but as soon as I saw a load of ruined buildings, I was like, yeah, Hulk did that. Like, it's not a follow-on. It's not a follow-on? It's not a follow-on. It's just, it's just, this. the episode starts with a destroyed, because this is what happens all the time. All the time Whenever yeah. we're not watching the Hulk, he's destroying a village or something, well, or a town. <laughs> keep your yeah, eye it's not on the like, Hulk. I'll be it's good. Not like, yeah, he didn't destroy it in the last episode, and this is this is just uh, this right. is like the start of an Indiana Jones movie. You start at the end of an adventure, and that's things the, are in progress. That's the one. Uh, also, the opening theme uh, isn't the best one I've heard out of these cartoons, but as an intro, brilliant. You know, boot. can you perform a little bit for us here on on the uh, Marvel versus Marvel jukebox? <laughs> it's kind of like boom, 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 Hulk, incredible Hulk, 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 Hulk incredible Hulk. <laughs> 
Hulk, Hulk, it, incredible Hulk, it, that kind of thing. It, it actually, <laughs> it's it's incredibly simple and silly, but it works so effectively. But the- if if you were a UFC fighter, mm. you would I would pick Hulk as my name. That would be very good. Walk out to the cage music. That that would that would be that would be incredibly good. Um, but I like the way the intro just sums up the character. Really, it, it does it really well. It's just you got him running away. You got him. You know, the lab accident. Then you got him. Uh, like like the tragedy with Betty, and then they're on that star, and the star turns into one of uh, Thaddeus Thunderbolt's uh, Ross's yeah. uh, shoulders. Uh, I can't remember what the is it epilepsy, epilepsy, military epilepsy, star badge, star no, badge on his star shoulder. Badge. I, I, I just thought that was a really really nice artistic way of saying ah, he loves this woman, but the husband, but the but his but the father is a military guy, and he wants to send everybody after him because he's the Hulk. It has a very nightmare. It's a dream. It's a dream quality. Dream sequence. Yes. yes. As a title sequence. Feels but like it's a obviously nightmare. a nightmare. It's horrible in a way. It is. I mean, we talk in in the full length bonus episode, uh, Future Imperfect. We talk mm. about how much like psychology and psychiatry play a role in the Hulk story at this period of time in the nineties. So, whilst we don't see a huge amount of that in this. In these episodes, I thought it was really interesting to go, oh, they've done a dream sequence, and the Hulk is, at this time, he's kind of all about psychiatry and introspection yeah. and stuff. Um, yeah, it's a it's a unique... It's not... Where would we rank it? Um, it's, I think Spider-Man number one, oh, personally. Oh, yeah. And, which is going to get lots of hate mail, because it always does. X-Men number two. Yep, yep, yep. Just just because, folks, the Spider-Man theme song is better. It is. It is actually I think, better. I think the X-Men title sequence is better. Yeah. With the introduction of all the different characters and things, but the Spider-Man theme song is better. So Spider-Man one, X-Men two, Hulk three. Definitely Hulk three. Seven or eight layers of dirt and mud and and crap, and then underneath that, Iron Man, <laughs> the Iron Man uh, uh, intro, which was just dreadful. Come on, come on. Uh, okay, we haven't handled it yet, and I I'm just going to say it. We won't have to discuss it because we haven't done the episode yet. Fantastic Four. That's the worst one. Um. I don't remember it now. Now you've said that, I don't have any memory of it. So that sounds like great fun. That's better than Iron Man. Okay, (laughs) yes, it's it had it had one of Emerson Lake and Palmer on it. (laughs) Keith Emerson, brilliant, brilliant. Brilliant. Um, (laughs) Yeah, great, great, great intro sequence. Give it watch on Disney Plus. Yeah, definitely. Well, not great, not great, not great. Sorry, interesting. It is. It it is. It's interesting because it really, it really. I don't know. You know when you say you don't, you, you're not tearing up at something, but something in your heart stirs up. <laughs> I didn't cry at car- well, cartoon. Well, Preston cry cartoon. cartoon. And if anyone says I cried at the Hulk cartoon, is a liar. There's there's a really good. Uh, I'm on a, I'm on a Seinfeld meme group, and there's this meme that's like you were crying at something, and it's a George is going going. It made me feel bad. Or I forget the bit in Seinfeld, but yeah, that would have fitted so well here. Anyway, your your face is shaking. No, but I just. Think it, 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 it tugs it the heartstrings that this is there's a lot of tragedy in this character and I feel empathy for him and I want to give him a cuddle. Anyway, oh. Give the Hulk a big old man witch. Uh, no, that's not how it goes. A big old man witch. Is that a euphemism I'm not aware of? I, I keep thinking of Futurama. My man witch! 
Let's let's crack on. Let's crack on because you're giving me the face of Will. Stop talking, but you need to talk at the same time. So talk the it's, other. Talk it's the more other way. a face of talk about things we will know about and have context for. That's my face. That's go. always that's, my face. That's the key face, the context face. Uh, before we go any further, though, is it, it, it obviously that's Ghost Rider? Is this how Danny Ketch turns into Ghost Rider in the comic books? Then, if that's him, I mean, pressing a button on his bike because that would be uh, convenient. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, sort of, uh, but not. No, it is. It, it generally is. Yeah, the the the, the Danny Ketch version. Um, for a lot of time, he can only turn into Ghost Rider when innocent blood is spilled. Ah, when that happens, he touches the gas cap on his motorbike. Like I, you know, we talked about yeah. his origin. He's covered in his sister's blood, who's innocent, and he sees this, the glowing gas cap, glowing with this mystic symbol. And when he touches that, it transforms him uh, into Ghost Rider. So it, when we see Nicolas Cage in the movie, it's just at night time, isn't it? It's yeah. just like a werewolf thing at night, which isn't how um isn't how it is in the comics with Johnny Blaze. With Johnny Blaze, it's kind of not his decision. It's just whenever the um is that right? Mm, I'm not sure. I know the demon is in charge sometimes. I also think perhaps Johnny Blaze can turn into Ghost Rider at will. That might be yeah, in the seventies I think he probably can. With Danny Ketch later on it's revealed that that kind of innocent blood thing was and I didn't like this revamp. It was just a psychological limitation that he kind of like imposed on himself and he can actually transform into Ghost Rider whenever he wants. And I don't like that. I like a good transformation sequence. I like yeah. Superman going into the uh, phone box and changing. I like Batman and Robin going to the bat poles and coming down. Yeah. And ch- I like a good, you know, transformations. I, I, I like Thunderbirds and all of that. I, I just, like, it's, it's fun. I like whatever Nicolas Cage was doing in the Ghost Rider film. Whatever happened there, that was just good. Screaming and laughing and looking horny, and then his face melts off and he's on fire. <laughs> it's like the <laughs> most disturbing sequence I've ever seen. Nicholas Cage, could you do all of your acting at once, please, for this? Yeah, scene? Do all the acting ever. Um, <laughs> yeah, and we're just going to pan around you in one camera angle. Brilliant. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. So that's how he does it on his bike. He, he, yeah. So he has more control. Yeah. That's not fun. Nobody wants control. Anyway. Well, but- he has control, but but only if innocent blood, and if, and if, and if there's innocent blood knocking around. So he can, put, he can press the snooze button if someone gets shot. He can't <laughs> press the snooze button. If someone's been shot and they're innocent... And he can he can turn into Ghost Rider, but yeah, if they're not innocent, it won't work. I was about to say he has the option to turn into Ghost Rider. If they're, if they're, yeah. I guess so. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it is a compulsion with him, but yeah. I'm, a, I'm having a day off. I've been furloughed. I'm not pressing the button on my bike. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the story. The man who calls himself the Ghost Rider says that his mission is not with the innocent Rick, but with a savage destroyer. Ghost Rider whips the chain around, pulling the chain into his hand. The figure turns his cycle to speed off. Rick kneels by Ghost Rider's tracks and notices that it contains sulphur. Rick puts on his helmet, gets on his bike, and follows towards the nearby city of Chicago. In a soup kitchen, Dr. Bruce Banner sits alone, as do several other homeless men. Bruce records his diary into a recorder, explaining that just yesterday he was in a small town nearby. 
However, the locals didn't like strangers and kept harassing him. Bruce explains that he tried to warn the locals. While telling the story, his eyes begin to glow, glow green until he calms himself down. I I thought at this point, yeah, that this is like this has kind of um, violent uh, abuser overtones, like that whole domestic abuse thing of, oh, it was your fault that I destroyed your town <laughs> you wouldn't stop yelling at me i tried to warn you um the, it, there was something about it that just <laughs> it just struck me weird um because i'm sure that they weren't being nice but i'm not sure they deserved such epic violence that destroyed a whole town and then again it made me think about what was going on in the Hulk comic at this time and there are all these revelations about the domestic uh, abuse mm. and violence in Bruce Bruce Banner's past. Um yeah, there we go. That was just a connection. See, I, I I just thought it was the whole don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. I yeah, a, and again that's that. that's something an abuser would say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not responsible for your violent outbursts, mate. So what do you? What? How do you plead to your to your accusation of domestic violence? Well, it, well, I am the Hulk. They made me angry, so <laughs> I me destroyed angry. the whole town. What yeah. can I do? Anyway, back to the story. A nun interrupts his thoughts, giving him a cup of coffee. She says that while the coffee may not be great, she would listen to his problems. Bruce stares into the coffee, then sees the angry face of his alter ego. Suddenly, an explosion in the kitchen sends Bruce flying, and he hears the nun screaming for help. Banner transforms into the Hulk and manages to save the nun from the falling rubble, but also frightening her with his presence. So, we've discussed this before. Uh, as much as I like the Gruffalo, uh, the rougher the rough, the rough ding-dong man, uh, I love... I like this troubled banner. I love troubled banner. He seems constantly tormented. He really is like this in the comics, right? Yes, his life is hell, uh, which is why romantic comedy leading man Mark Ruffalo (laughs) does not work as Bruce Banner. He's very (laughs) affable and charming and funny, but that's not Bruce Banner ever. He works for for Disney. His role works for Disney. I think he came on pre. Oh no, he didn't come on pre. Yeah, um, bring back Ed Norton. So being the Hulk, <laughs> and they won't have any money left for special effects because of his high fee. <laughs> it's just it's just nonsense. Being the Hulk is this awful curse that he can't escape from. Yeah. Uh, to begin with, it's the Jekyll and Hyde nighttime transformation thing where like a werewolf thing where he banner wakes up in a strange place and needs to find his clothes and 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 get home and he's trying to keep his job with the um, with the US government because that's the thing Hulk has a secret identity for the for the first for the first few years yeah um but it's not like Superman's secret identity. Superman's secret identity is he's in charge and in control the whole time. Yeah. And when he comes back, it's like, oh no, everyone, I've got to explain my absence to my boss and my girlfriend. Mm, this is a humdinger. <laughs> Bruce wakes up naked in a, the desert and there's destruction everywhere. And he's like, oh God, what did I do this time? Oh God, like the worst hangover. 
And then he's got to somehow get clothes on and get back to his life. And people are like, where have you been? It's been six hours. You didn't come home last night and you look like you're covered in someone else's blood. What's happened to you? You know, it's a very different... I have a feeling that the idea for that kind of Incredible Hulk came from, what if Superman was an unfunctional alcoholic, a dysfunctional alcoholic, (laughs) and just woke up in bizarre places? I think that's you projecting. <laughs> uh, in 1996, no, sorry, in 1966, mm. um, so just like three years, three, four years after the Hulk's been around, the Hulk is briefly presumed dead. Yeah. In a way that happens to every character in the Marvel Universe. And during which time, like an emotional Rick Jones kind of has this outburst and ends up revealing to everyone that that the Hulk is Bruce Banner, was Bruce Banner. Because he's like, you, I've got to tell people that Bruce is dead. Mm. And and he's like, also, you need to mourn him. He was a, re- everyone, he was a really great man and all that, he was dead and everything. That proves to be disastrous because um, when the Hulk is revealed to not be dead, everyone now knows who the Hulk is. Mm. And this is not, again, in, in, if this was a Silver Age Superman comic from the 50s and 60s, there'd be some way of putting the genie back in the bottle and goes, no, Lois, um, Rick Jones was obviously acting in a play about how I've written about me being Superman. And Lois would be like, oh, explanation received. Status quo has been achieved. Everything back to the next issue. Nope. In Marvel and with the Hulk, it's out and it's out forever. Yeah. Forever. From sixty six on through. Um everyone knows who the Hulk is. From that point on, there's no hiding anywhere. Hulk is a walking natural disaster that everyone wants to capture and kill. And before long the entire world knows who Bruce Banner is. We can't hide as Bruce Banner even. Um and and, and, and there's no rest. It's it's it, it's he's constantly being hunted. It's why the seventies series, I think sold so well and connected so well and people could grasp it, people yeah. that weren't comic book fans could grasp it, is because they played up the aspects of that character yeah. that's like the famous American series, The Fugitive. Yes, sort of an yes. innocent man on the run, trying to do the right thing, moving from town to town, constantly being chased and under threat and all of that. Yeah, uh, That's that's quite a trope in America, long-running American TV shows, isn't it? Like, oh, you know, on the run, going from town to town. It's like the A-team. The A-team do that. It, yeah, I think moving from town to town, uh, because then there's like, there's the, I remember watching this loads as a kid. It was about an angel, but he was just a guy in jeans and he had a mullet. He's a famous actor. It wasn't Can't touched by an name. angel, was it, or something? Maybe, something yeah. Something like that. It was all kind of show. And the Littlest Hobo, which is like oh. that, but the main character, town to town. Maybe tomorrow I'll want to settle down. It's such a Until lovely tomorrow, thing. I'll just keep moving on. <laughs> Why did yeah, you watch that- TV shows about dogs? <laughs> well, because the dog's there, but it's it's some mellow, it's some afternoon melodrama yeah, about people yeah. in the 70s and the yeah. dog's there. Um, so, yes, in conclusion, the Hulk is like the littlest hobo. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> The, 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 the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk, is the littlest hobo in a minor key. <laughs> For music fans out there, I've got it. I've got it. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. So back to the story. 
The fire and the nun's screams are heard by Ghost Rider passing by. Seeing the soup kitchen in flames, he believes that the Hulk is hurting more innocents. Ghost Rider speeds off, leaving a trail of flames behind. In the kitchen, the nun begs for help as Hulk clears debris to get her to get out her out. But just then, Ghost Rider drops down in front of him. Ghost Rider tells Hulk that his reign of terror is over and then shoots fire from his hand, knocking Hulk out of the building and into a car. Hulk sits up to see the Ghost Rider racing out of the building, carrying the nun. Hulk tries to stand up, but Ghost Rider again blasts him back down. When he's caught in a helicopter spotlight, Hulk runs away, not wanting to hurt any of them. Back at the kitchen, Ghost Rider sets the nun down. She cries out, so he returns to his, new, to his uh, normal human form. He comforts her, saying that the monster is gone. He looks up, saying that the Hulk's judgment has come. Uh, before we get to... Before, I know you've got a question. Before we get to that, there's little, like, discrepancies going on here. Mm. Like, we start the episode with, like, Hulk has destroyed an entire town. <laughs> the Ghost Rider, who is summoned by the spilling of innocent blood, is summoned. <laughs> which kind of suggests people died. Um... And yeah. then here, when the helicopters come towards him, he runs away. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. Um, so it's just a little... I, I, it's like off-camera, mm. out of shot, they are playing up the idea the Hulk is a, is an absolute dangerous savage. Yeah. But then to, to kind of like infuse the series with a dark tone. But then when he's actually in on on, on camera, it's all like, no, 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 no. He's just... A nice Frankenstein's monster running away from people. <laughs> a nice Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. Also, uh, 10 out of 10 for saying Frankenstein's monster. Uh, good Thanks. Point. Yeah. So I went to university. <laughs> Very smart. <laughs> Very clever man. So, <laughs> can Ghost Rider shoot fire from his hands, though? Because I don't remember Nicolas Cage doing that. Because I reckon if Nicolas Cage did that, he would act the hell out of it. Yeah, he could... He did something like didn't wasn't he able to like make fire from a cigarette lighter go bigger or something? Uh, or, or is no, that that's Pyro? X-Men. That's Pyro from X Men. Oh yeah, God, I hate that character. Yeah. No, Danny Ketch um, does have different powers than Johnny Blaze, the original Ghost Rider, but not that. Like, so he's got the um, all the normal. Do all the normal things you expect from a demon. He's very strong. You can't stab him or shoot him or anything like that. Unless you've brought a special hell knife or a heaven gun, then he's stop, not going to... Stop combining words like that. It's, it's angry. But it's true. Unless, unless it's some sort of heaven or hell created weapon, you can't hurt the Ghost Rider. So you see, if it was said in German, it would sound much better like a Himmelgewehr. Like that, that would okay, sure, yeah, cool. That sounds cool. <laughs> Heaven gun. Well, I'm yeah, but I'm not that they wouldn't call it that, they'd call it you know, something else <laughs> a divine, <laughs> divine blaster. I don't know, divine retribution. Um, that would be a great name for a gun. Mm. Danny, uh, Danny Ketch also has he has the penance stare. Johnny Blaze ah. never had the penance stare. Ah, yes, we saw that's where he. he Tears, he, he, he stares his dead eyes into your soul and he forces you to feel the pain, all the pain you've caused your victims throughout your life. Um, that was a super cool, that was really popular, it was a really cool thing that, that Danny could do. Uh, whoever came up with that, 
10 out of 10 for that one. Um, Danny Ketch has Mystic Chains and Mystic Spikes all over his other jacket and gloves and stuff. We see that in the Johnny Cage... The Johnny Cage? The Nicolas Cage movie. Mm. Um, um, and he can... Danny Ketch can manipulate Hellfire in certain ways. Yeah. Like, he's able to infuse a shotgun with Hellfire bullets. Ooh, um nice. And... and Johnny Blaze, who has no powers at that point, he uses that for for a long period of time. Um, but he can't fire bolts uh, like bolts of fire out of his hand like he does here. Like he's not the Human Torch, basically. Yeah, it's, it's not like he's not like he's in Skyrim and he has destruction magic. That's right. I like doing a good old video game reference because that's my only port, point of context. <laughs> <laughs> no, you also have Simpsons and Futurama. This is true. I have those. So that's cool. Shooting fire from your hands. Although I did forget about the penance there. That's really cool. Anyway, back to yeah. He doesn't do it in this, which would have been cool. I, I don't. I don't. Although, I don't think children would have enjoyed that. I, I think in I, his last in his last appearance uh, before this, which is in I think yeah, is in Fantastic Four. Hmm. Um, that's how he beats Galactus. But the Ghost Rider. Uses the penance stare on Galactus and makes Galactus feel the pain of every innocent person Galactus has killed over the billions of years he's existed, eating planets, would have an wiping aneurysm. out civilizations. That's what happens. He kill. He, he destroys Galactus. Galactus is catatonic. That's incredible. Yep, yeah, brilliant. Uh, Absolutely uh, brilliant. Anyway, back to the story. In the desert at Gamma Base, Betty Ross and Doc Sampson are testing a tranquilizer ray in the attempt to cure Bruce of Hulk. Betty notes that the mutagenics are subdued, but still... Mutagenics! Is that that a made-up word again? (laughs) Back to the old Spider-Man term. Mutagenics are everywhere. What was was the neogenic recombinator? Neogenic. Oh, maybe it's neogenic. I'm sure mutagenics is all over Spider-Man. Perhaps I'm wrong. Mutagenics is everywhere, mate. It's everywhere. Pound. (laughs) It's everywhere, mate. You get your blacklight out. You get your blacklight out in a hotel room. Mutagenics everywhere. Disgusting. Don't lower this. <laughs> <laughs> Serious. <laughs> Sorry, let's get back to the Incredible Hulk cartoon from 1996. <laughs> I'll stop being. I'll stop being silly. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Betty notes that the mutagenics are subdued, but still rupturing while footage of DNA is being unwound. She tells Samson that Bruce would never survive this process. Samson wonders why gamma mutated blood reacts to the tranquilizers that way. General Ross and Major Talbot arrive and alert them that Hulk is rampaging along the Chicago lakefront. Despite being told that the Trank Ray would be lethal to Banner, General Ross wants to use it to stop the Hulk. Bessie angrily demands that her father not use the device on Bruce, and General Ross reluctantly agrees. Unbeknownst to the army team, they're being spied on by the leader, who summons his lackey, Gargoyle, to launch a group of spy drones to keep an eye on the Hulk and Talbot. And then nothing happens of it, and they play no further role in the episode. This, this, when I was watching this to make all, the, all these notes, I had to rewind a bit and went, okay, what happens then? What are they doing? It's like, I, I, I thought I missed something. No, it's this slow, steady thing in this series of... They put them in every episode, even if they're not doing anything, to build up that the leader is constantly planning, constantly right. watching, 
and he's he's got a strategy he's going to put into place. I thought it was that old old thing of just like, oh, we've we've already recorded this scene once, so we're going to do it over and over and over again. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. no. I do prefer this to the what we saw in Iron Man, which mm. is it's the same the Mandarin is behind everything that happens in every episode. Yeah. And everything that happens to Iron Man, the Mandarin is sending another bad guy to go and hit him. In this, like the there's a momentum to Hulk's life and other other um characters you know kind of spin through and he, he goes off in other directions. Mm. He's not just waiting at at home for someone to attack him. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah. He, he's got, you know, Ghost Rider comes in, the next episode he goes to try and find somebody and this kind of stuff happens. So I like I prefer that than the I guess the, the Power Ranger kind of... I, don't, I can't think of a better example pa- of it. it. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. The the, uh, the omnipotent one, one bad guy, guy yeah, keeps sending yeah, lackeys yeah. every episode. It did make me think of that, that what we're just discussing now of an episode of Futurama where they were doing a mick take of the Smurfs. And, oh, yeah. And, and, every, and, every, and then Professor's playing McGarnagle. But they're doing that old-style cartoon thing of using the same clip over and over again. And every now and again, it, like, they'd be Wolf Smurfs and like playing happily. And then, and then they, they cut to this McGarnagle character played by the Professor going, I've got to get those delicious purple berries! And, and it would just be that bit played every... Again and again. And it just, it, it's one of those things where you, you look at it and go, Oh, that's, that's 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 a bit silly, and then it happens, and then by the fourth time, you're dying of laughter because it's that re- that really that r- weird rule of repetition of comedy. It just made it, it killed me. We saw we saw an actual example of it in the Iron Man episode, didn't we? Where the Iron Man cartoon uses the transformation oh. scene <laughs> again and again, multiple times. Doesn't matter. Stock footage doesn't matter where the characters are. Yeah, they use that stock footage of him in a room he wasn't in. Three seconds ago. Oh, 3D graphics Dreadful. back then, man. They, they were horrible. Okay, um, what is um, Gamma Base? Gamma Base, it's the headquarters of the Hulk Busters. Bear with me. Oh, I'm, I'm, um, I'm bearing with you. So, um, originally a, a New Mexico uh, desert base dedicated to um the hulk's capture um that was it was called project greenskin hey. at the time so it was project greenskin base um and it was also used to any other gamma powered superhumans that came along the way abomination leader yeah, yeah. those kind of dudes um and uh, uh thunderbolt ross kind of um yeah he's he's the head of it um, and the base is then later renamed Hulkbuster Base because that seems to be just a better name than Project Greenskin. Mm. Um, it was Hulkbusters were a joint task force, uh, U.S. Army and Air Force personnel, and their their primary role and function is to capture or, if necessary, destroy slash kill the Hulk. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, so yeah, they it's Hulkbuster base for a long while um, in New Mexico, and they have this symbol that is basically you know the you know the classic peace sign. Oh, CND, the campaign for nuclear disarmament. You mean when you say the classic peace sign, what do you mean? Well, I can't really describe it. I'd have to draw it for you. you mean the you circle, know what I mean though. It's the circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, that's yeah. not a peace sign. That's actually the campaign for nuclear disarmament. 
Yeah, but, but it's, it's commonly known as it's the commonly known as the peace sign. It's um, really weird that <laughs> that's the uh, that's the symbol for the Hulkbusters for some reason and the Hulkbuster <laughs> base. Um, soldiers on the base yeah. wore special patches to indicate that they'd assigned to the Hulkbuster units. Mm. Um, and then after Thunderbolt Ross fell out of favour, Shield gained control of the base and they give it to. Clay Quartermain, who I think we've probably discussed in the Nick Fury Agent of Shield episode. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Quartermain because um, they seem to Bell, I think. Yeah. Yeah, they, they 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 slap a lot of names on a lot of obscure random characters in that. Hey, <laughs> this is great. look at that bin. That's definitely a Marvel character we can call a name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um and and when they do that, Clay Quartermain kind of is is assigned as the shield. Is he in charge or is he the liaison? He's very heavily involved in it all. And the Hulkbuster base is then renamed Gamma Base because that's just a, a lot of a better name for it. It's it's, um, it's it's snappier for a start. Yeah, although it does sound like where the Gamma lived. Like, Gamma Base sounds like it should be Hulk's base mm. rather than... It should be like the anti-Gamma Base, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah, but... Yeah. I, I, I don't mind. Like, if if... Uh, He-Man, powered by Eternia. If Skeletor called his base Eternia Base, you'd go, yeah, that's where He-Man lives. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm thinking. Um, brief. There was a period of time where Hulk and Banner are split. Ah, uh, yes, you've told me about this. And during that time, Banner is recruited to lead the Hulkbusters to make sure they can capture the Hulk and stop him. Mm. And so... Banner lives in Gamma Base and he runs the Hulkbusters for a period of time as well. That happens in the in the eighties, right before the period of time we discuss on the bonus future imperfect episode. Um, right before that, nineteen eighty six um, is when that happens. And for a brief period of time, it also hosts a lot of Sentinels to destroy mutants. Um, That's handy. In the, in the 90s, the Gamma base is handed over to this weirdly like influential government figure called Bastion, um, Bastion. who has a com- campaign against mutants, and he uses it as base operations for something called Operation Zero Tolerance, which is where lots of brand new Sentinels live to go and blow up all them bloody mutants. That sounds yeah, that sounds horrible. I was about to say like uh, yeah, when it started saying okay, we're starting off. We just don't want you don't like the green guy. Now we don't like anything like the green guy. We in fact, in fact, in fact, in fact, in fact, mutants. We, we don't like anyone who's not human. Let's just put it that way. And it's just like oh, listen, God. man. Howard the Duck would say that's what happens whenever you give power and authority to any agency. They'll just man. They're going to tread on you. Yeah. They're going to take it too far. They're going to step on your neck one way or another. Like people in power and people in authority only get worse. Yeah. True that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what else to do. It's like say, yeah, ditto, I agree. Um, where was I? Anyway, back to the story. Hope, hopefully this uh, picks up a bit in tone. Uh, back in Chicago, the nun is being taken away by medics, but Rick is questioning her about what she saw, confirming that Ghost Rider was there. Elsewhere, police choppers pursue Hulk, but Major Talbot, armed with the tranquay... Trank... I can't say it in one Why? go. Why? Tranquay. <laughs> you, the problem is you're trying to say tranquilizer, Ray. It's trank. Trank Ray. 
There yeah. we go. It's like I think tranquilizer, Trank Ray. Yeah. You can say tranquilizer Ray if you want to. Yeah. No. I'm going to... St- no, yeah, no. it's up to you. Every, I don't think ev- we'll get complaints. Every episode of this podcast, I need to achieve something and saying Trank Ray. <laughs> there we go, I did it. Trank Ray without any difficulty is uh, one of my achievements. Uh, armed, but Major Talbot, armed with the Trank Ray, orders the police to stand down so that he can take on the Hulk all by himself. Back at the Gamma Base, Betty finds out about her father's plans and rushes off to stop him. So, Major Talbot... Seems a, uh, he's 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 a bit unhinged. Stand back, everyone! I wish to fight the Hulk alone. That is that's stupid. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to say. Well, actually, he'd he'd be better if he had other people on his side to help him fight because there's strength in numbers. But it's just like the the ego on it is like, no, 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 no. I am going to be the one who gets Hulk in a headlock. Yeah, that, it's 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 how he dies in the comics. Oh, good, um, good. I don't like him. I don't like this character. I, he, he, I, I was hoping he would die. Yeah, you're not meant to like him. Yeah. Um. He he he's like. So he's in the army, and he he's like he's the ch- he's who General Ross wants to marry Betty. Oh God! Even I- before the Hulk business, Ross hated Banner. Yeah, because um, he's a nerd. Non- he's a big he's old a non-combatant. Nerd. Yeah, he's a nerd, non-combatant, nerd. and he wants a big, tough army guy to marry his daughter. Um, and he, he, he's a constant like he's constantly invo- he's involved in all the Hulkbusters stuff. He runs the Hulkbusters for a time. He's involved in all the plans to capture or kill the Hulk. Um, he when he finds out that. Hulk and Banner are the same person. It's it, it does make sense. It, it's like the it's he's able to then right. This is going to drive them apart, Betty and, and Banner. Yeah, I'm going to put the whole army onto him, um, and he he is the one who reports it to the army and and basically turns you know Banner into a wanted man, um, and but at the same time he is always portrayed. As brave, um, patriotic, resourceful, um, he's not like a bad person. He's not like he's not like a cackling villain. No, 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 not at all. Yeah, a thing that Marvel do very, very, very well: antagonist, but not villain. They do it very well. Yeah, I um, like that. And he's like this romantic antagonist, and then he becomes more than that. Um, not <laughs> he doesn't sleep with Bruce. Um, I mean, he, he just he's an antagonist in the romantic sense, and he's in a, of his love life. Ah, he's, he's an antagonist then in everything else because he finds out who he really is. Romantic antagonist, so a protagonist. Rotagonist. That sounds like a shaggy song. Rotagonistic. Simply bombastic. <laughs> um, yeah, so he he, what does he do? Well, he marries Betty. Um, I forget like what happens, but somehow I think Betty basically um, comes to the conclusion that she can never have a life with Bruce ever because he's constantly on the road and 
Bruce is constantly pushing her away. You should go and do something else. You should be with someone who can be with you. I can't be with you. I've got to go and smash up a town at four. Um, <laughs> if only the Hulk social calendar was that punctual <laughs> and reliable. So Betty marries like her second choice, which is which is Glenn. Talbot. See, I think um, Glenn Talbot. You keep talking. I need to have a quick search because I think Glenn Talbot. Did, did you go? Did you? Did you go to school with someone called Glenn? Glenn Talbot can't be a rock star. Glenn Talbot is. I don't know. He's. Uh, he sells insurance. No, no. Hi, De- Glenn. Glenn Talbot. Um, I was thinking Glenn Tipton. One of the guitarists of Judas Priest. There we so, go. Mentioning Judas Priest. Um, Glenn Talbot once trapped Hulk in, in a subatomic universe for a very long period of time. This is a really weird thing. We'll hopefully do it one day. That's the um, handiest way of containing him. Yes, it works for ages. Also, Hulk Hulk in Subatomica is happy. Okay. Uh, when he goes to Subatomica, for some reason, he's Bruce Banner's mind in Hulk's body. Oh. And Subatomica is this, like, sword and sorcery world. Sorry, is, and he, is, this, is this the quantum realm subatomica? Because we had this argument before. It's, it's unclear. I'm, it, it is a so the subatomic realms. There are multiple different worlds. This is ah, one of them. Okay, right. So the same method of getting there, but a different place. Yeah. Um, he Hulk gets to be like Conan the Barbarian in a sword and sorcery fantasy world. He falls in love with a princess. Um, a lot of the people there are also green. So this princess is like, yeah, you look like a handsome dude to me. <laughs> and they fall in love, and they have a long time there. Anyway, she dies. It all goes horribly wrong. She dies. Um, and it comes out and is revealed that Talbot is the one that, that sent him, trapped him in this subatonic world. And when Betty finds that out... Like that's the end of of their marriage. Uh, everything falls apart for Talbot. Then he's lost Betty. He loses funding and control of the Gamma base and the Hulkbusters, and he decides that he's going to go and try to kill the Hulk all on his own. Um, if there's something he, he, green in your neighbourhood, who are you I was taking call this. I thought we'd get this a lot earlier. I'm amazed. No, I, I, it's been I, like I, I let five it, minutes. I let it pass and went, no, nah, it's too obvious. And then the song came in my head and I was like, okay. I gotta, I gotta do it. So Talbot pilots this huge death machine called the War Wagon, which is like he's driving an apartment building full of missiles and guns and death. Oh, um, it's my retirement plan. <laughs> and it's built and designed just to murder the Hulk, and he goes to fight him in Japan, and it doesn't go very well for him mm. because it's the Hulk, and and yeah. like Hulk doesn't kill him, but he die like his his the war wagon explodes and blows up, and it was a cliff and everything, and he he that's how he dies. So yes, that's Talbot. Weird dude likes to try and beat the Hulk. I I I just don't understand why he yanked him out of the quantum realm. He didn't yank him out of it. Oh, oh, he just Hulk it wasn't. He didn't bring him back on purpose. Oh, right, okay. So he, yeah. At least he got to use the big apartment block on wheels with missiles because you know you you save that for a rainy day. If you, absolutely, 
Absolutely. But the, you, you put it to one side. It's like, oh, you're being fired and you never got a chance to use it. Well, I might as well use it on my last day. Oh, no, this is this is the thing that all video games have. Sorry, guys, still about video games. Where you, ha- you save, you have this ultimate powerful weapon and you go, oh, no, 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 no. I'm saving this to when I need it. And then, <laughs> and then the only time... You- by the time you get to like the end boss, you have it with loads of ammo, and you go, "Well, I better use it now." Then, <laughs> the, the fun- absolutely, yeah, yeah. But you, but you should have had more fun with it earlier in the game. Anyway, that's how I look at it when I see these big, ridiculous weapons. Uh, I am perfectly normal. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Back to the story. Uh, in the city, Rick jumps a police barricade on his bike to tail Ghost Rider. When they arrive at Hulk's hiding place, a junkyard, Rick blocks Ghost Rider and tells him to leave the Hulk alone. Putting his hands on Ghost Rider's flaming bike without being harmed, Ghost Rider realises this man's heart is pure, but tells him he still intends to stop the shedding of innocent blood and allows the rider to join him. Right, so, uh, for someone with no powers... Rick Jones uh, is, seems very brave. What's the origin of that voice again? I forgot. It's uh, <laughs> Dave Chappelle uh, doing being Rick James. I'm oh, Rick James. Okay. What the fuck? Yeah, I can okay. say in the face. Slap. <laughs> it, it's, Got it. It's, 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 it's a very silly sketch. It's, Rick James. it's a fantastic sketch. I love I just, it. It's silly. It, it just wasn't. I was. I've forgotten why. Why there was a gravelly American voice for Rick James? Rick Jones. Okay, cool. I, it was my association. You know me in my mind. I also think we might that the genesis of that might have been a bonus episode, and so no one listening to it. Like we might have a tiny amount of <laughs> remember might guys, have been patrons who know. Remember guys to keep on canon, to keep all references, to get everything you need to. You need to pay up. This is the absolutely why. baby because you yeah. just walked into the middle of a joke. You're, you're wasting your time unless you pay up for Patreon for our Patreon and do the right thing. And you get the beginning of that excellent joke. plug. So, what was your Rick Jones question, or was it just <laughs> I like him? No, no, I just want to say Rick Jones. No, um, is he like this in the comics? Is he brave? Because I thought he was like Hulk's assistant, but not that brave. Oh no, he's super, super. He's he's careless. He's feel. He's Ooh. absolutely fearless to the point of it gets him into trouble all the time. But no, he's really, he's really um, good-hearted and yeah, he. We talked about like Hulk's life being horrific and awful. Yeah, and he's only got one per like to beginning the beginning of everything. The only person that knows for those first three years that Hulk is Bruce Banner is Rick Jones. Mm. So Rick Jones does everything for him. He um, is able to like calm the Hulk a little bit and get the Hulk to listen to him. So he is forever following the Hulk around on his bike. Getting the Hulk to chase him, to lead him away from populated areas, to lead him into quiet places where people will bother the Hulk and try and get him. He'll lead him away from where the army is. He'll lead him into deserted areas of the desert and the hills and the mountains and stuff. And then he'll wait around for the Hulk to go to sleep, change back to Banner, and then he like gives Banner a lift back to town, gives him some clothes and food, and he's like... Like, Alfred ain't got nothing on Rick Jones at the start. He is the <laughs> ultimate, like, companion slash manservant slash butler. Yeah. Um, and then he's also responsible for bringing the Avengers together. Oh, yes. You've mentioned this, haven't you? Um, because Loki was creating an illusion of the Hulk to try and mess with Thor or something. And uh, Rick Jones was like, the Hulk wouldn't do that. I know the Hulk is a close personal friend of mine. He wouldn't do any of that. Um, and he puts out this 
uh, emergency broadcast to try and get the Fantastic Four to come and help him. But it all gets screwed up. And instead of going to the Fantastic Four, the broadcast goes to I'm uh, Iron Man, Thor... Um, um, who are the other Avengers? <laughs> Iron Man, Thor, Thor, Scarlet Widow, no, no Black no, Widow, no, 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 none of them. It's Iron Man, it's Giant Ant Man and Wasp. That's it. And then they all come together, and uh, that's how the Avengers get formed. And then when he, he's like the Avengers sidekick for ages, and then he he helps when Captain America like wakes up from from the forties um, into the modern world, which do remember. In the comics, Cap is only in the water for like less than fifteen years. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone he knows and loves, unless they died a horrible death, they're still around. They're still alive. It's not that much of a shell shock. Get over it, Cap. I think I'm more shell shocked that fifteen years ago is actually fifteen years ago than you would be. Um, oh God, yeah. So, but he, he he's Rick Jones becomes Captain America's sidekick, and he actually acts dresses up and acts as Bucky for a couple of brief missions. Um, and then later on, when we have the the, the, the first uh, Captain Marvel, the male Captain Marvel, the Cree Captain Marvel, mm. um, Rick Jones uh, becomes his sidekick as well. And they have this weird period of time where they are uh, <laughs> oddly bonded together so that they actually swap places. So Rick Jones and Captain Marvel occupy the same quantum space, right? So <laughs> Rick Jones has to summon Captain Marvel by bashing together the Neger bands, which send him into this negative space oh, um, yes. and then summons Captain Marvel um, to, to Earth. And he, he, he's, he's deeply brave and he, he, he fights and helps the Avengers during this huge event called the Kree-Skrull... No? Yeah, the Kree-Skrull yeah, War, the it. first Kree-Skrull War. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's responsible for basically ending that war. Um, yeah, it's a very, very important Marvel character, not appears anywhere in the MCU, and Lord knows if he ever will. Oof. Wow. That's the thing, though. I, I, when, it, when it comes to like the Hulk and the MCU, he's like an additional character. He's not really a main character. He's sort of like a support character, isn't he? <laughs> that, that's that contractual legal issue, isn't it? Oh yes, um, we discussed this. They, they, they can't. They can't. Um, they, they're, they're, they're trapped into this contract that means Paramount, I think, Universal, or Universal, Universal. Universal. Universal yeah. um, and they don't want to. So they don't want to make Hulk solo movies because of that contracts so yeah how have they you'd think they'd be able to buy the way out of it by now they're the biggest entertainment conglomerate in the planet they're the but, biggest thing on earth apart from the continent of russia or something like that <laughs> uh is that right well, the biggest thing well isn't amazon bigger amazon just bought mgm by the way i saw today, I, so. I saw that that was uh yeah that they now own james bond it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money for MGM. Yep. Um, I'm looking forward to my Amazon Prime getting a lot more videos to watch. There we go. Anyway, back to the show. Back on with the story. Uh, Talbot flies. <laughs> I don't know why I sung it. Talbot flies in on his helicopter to use his trank ray, but without a moment to lose, the Hulk jumps at Talbot's chopper and grabs. Oh God! <laughs> you all right? What's wrong? <laughs> the way I phrased it's terrible. Oh, Talbot's chopper. Talbot's chopper <laughs> grabs it. 
<laughs> so it's incredibly immature on me. I'm getting a different mental image of what happened in the episode. Anyway, without His a helicopter. Moment, <laughs> His big, big helicopter. Big. <sighs> Hulk jumps at Talbot's helicopter and grabs it, causing Talbot to fall out onto a nearby rooftop. The helicopter crashes into the building, sending it and the Hulk through several floors. Meanwhile, Betty and Doc Sampson are on the way. Inside the building, a confused Hulk sees a woman's photograph and mistakes it for Betty, sending him into a melancholy, while Major Talbot sneaks around the corner and aiming the trank ray at Hulk. So, I don't want to be a joyless man. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Uh, At one point, his helicopter changed from green to blue and back again. Oh, dear. I saw that. Did that shatter the illusion of the cartoon? I'm just saying they, that that is quite a glaring error. The I, the overall quality of the animation is is significantly less than the like the X Men series, yeah. um, and I think even the the the, uh, the Spider Man series as well. To 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 quote the Simpsons, I hope someone got fired for that blunder. That doesn't does it really matter? It, it's. It, it, it's, 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 I take this stuff Un, seriously. It's unforgivable, unforgivable oh, for you. Is, okay, this, this is just awful. No, it was. It, 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 this happened with nineties animation. This happened with animation before it went digital. So it's fair enough. Um, also, the Hulk the, is the Hulk dazed after the crash when he sees the photo, or has he got some kind of weird face blindness? Oh, or because it reminds him of Betty. That was it. That was actually woman like Betty. Yeah, yeah. He forget. Don't forget the Hulk is this version of the Hulk is a, is like a child. Yeah, uh, or, or almost like a, a puppy or something like that. And it's like so that that's the, that's the thing. And that, that that would be the case in the comic books for a while as well. And yeah, seeing things that reminded him of Betty would be something that happened quite often and would quell him and calm him down, yeah. and he'd then fall asleep and stuff. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. It's not that he, he thinks it is Betty. It's just it, it, okay. It's like a, a reminder. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Back to the story. Outside. He's only got two things in his whole mind: rage and Betty. So, like, yeah, it's wow. a, a slight connection. That makes sense. Outside the building, Ghost Rider storms up the road and through the front door of the building. Hulk, distressed from looking at the photo, changes back and forth between himself and Banner before Talbot fires the ray at him, which does nothing more than anger the Hulk. As the building starts to come down around them, Talbot is rescued by Ghost Rider, who starts to realise that Hulk is innocent. Rick hurriedly tries to rescue Banner from the falling rubble of the building, but he's too weak to escape. Rick realises that he needs Banner to become the Hulk, so he lies and tells him he's in trouble, causing Banner to transform and free himself. However, before he can attack Ghost, uh, Ghost Rider in a, in a rage, the effects of the Trank Ray kick in, and he falls to the floor in a daze. Betty realises that Talbot used the full force of the Ray on Banner, and if he transforms back into his normal form, the effects of it will poison him. Without a moment to lose, Ghost Rider grabs Banner, wraps him up in chains, and confronts him about his anger and rage in an attempt to make him turn back. Banner turns into the Hulk and floors Ghost Rider, Realising that the Hulk might kill Ghost Rider, Doc Sampson jumps into the fight to try and subdue the Hulk. So, I assume they've tried to use the Trank Ray on Hulk before in the comics, right? I mean, it it's such a, a generic type of word and idea that it doesn't ring any bells for me. Does that, does that make sense? 
a tranquil yeah, ray. It's, it's not a thing that stands out um, as a as a, like a as a, as not something I recognize. Like, however, however, knocking the Hulk out does work. Yeah. Um, psychics have tried it, like Professor X and stuff, um, with varying different degrees uh, of success because. Uh, the Hulk's mind seems to be impervious to like telepathic. Like you could talk to him, but it's you can't like make him do stuff. Yeah. Um, Doctor Strange has been able to put the Hulk to sleep with a very powerful spell, um, but that can come with its own side effects. The Invisible Woman once beat the Hulk Ooh. by creating an invisible force field around his head. Cutting off the oxygen <laughs> supply and making him pass out. Um, that was earlier times. The Hulk since then has become a bit more advanced in terms of his power set, and um, the lack of oxygen wouldn't be a big deal for him, really. But in that one story in the 80s, it was. Uh, the best one for you, though, Will. Well, the best though. one for everyone listening at home. 1981, a special. Marvel DC crossover. <laughs> it's the Hulk versus Batman. I thought you were going to say Bane then. That would not be in 1981. No. Oh yes, of course. And no, it wouldn't be interesting in the slightest. Hulk would just crush his head. What, what are you talking about? But but Bane's a big boy. Hulk and Bane on are are. There are, I mean, there are leagues between those two power sets. But you could take loads but of venom. And, and, doesn't and, and matter. Become, become, becomes a bigger boy, a big steroid boy. No, oh. it's not going to. Anyway, let's just anyway. get through the funny. Let's get through the funny thing I've researched. There we <laughs> and go. Then we let's can argue to, about let's Bane. Get, let's get, say your thing. So the 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 Joker in this world where Bruce Banner and Bruce Wayne live in the same world, the Joker manages to convince the Hulk that Batman is his enemy. So this big fight breaks out between them. It takes all of Batman's skills and prowess just to evade the Hulk and stay alive. Ooh. He ends the fight thusly. He goes to his utility belt and pulls out knockout gas. Yeah. And he throws a knockout gas at Hulk. And Hulk laughs it off and is like, Hulk, just hold breath. And holds his breath. And Hulk can hold his breath forever. Um, and as he holds his breath, Batman is like, aha, just the opportunity I was looking for, and kicks Hulk very hard in the tummy, which makes the Hulk suddenly gasp and breathe in all the knockout gas and fall asleep. And that's how Batman beat the Hulk. I, I can't imagine anyone kicking Hulk in the tummy. Nope. But, but and it's having an effect. Yeah, because it would be like kicking a wall, wouldn't it? Yeah. I'm led even- to believe... Even then, when the Hulk wasn't like all kind of all powerful, like even 1981 Hulk, yes, so that's the most ridiculous way. And we just got to circle back to Bane. You, 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 I mean, Bane is, I mean, I'm struggling to think of a Marvel. He's a big boy. Juggernaut would tear his head off. Bane's head off. yeah, and Juggernaut is leagues less powerful than. Well, it, I can't it, think it, of. It, it depends on. We- oh, here we go now. No, uh, it doesn't. No, 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 no. Because there are some iterations of Bane where he's just insanely bulky. It doesn't matter. But he's big. It doesn't matter. He's, he's just a guy. Who takes. He's just a like. 
She's the guy who takes a lot of his strength is it's it's a high level of strength. Don't get me wrong, but like he'd maybe maybe give Colossus uh, a bit a bit of a hard time. Will he's maybe just, stop this? Will he's the superhero equivalent of Lance Armstrong? <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about Lance Armstrong? I think I'm kind of on his side. I, I, uh, I, I, the only link I have, obviously it was like, oh, there's a thing about lying and whatever, but my dad, uh, is a big, big Lance Armstrong fan. And when it all came out, I was saying to my brother, oh, I can picture him now in the back garden, like burning all his Lance Armstrong stuff while crying. (laughs) Oh oh, no. (laughs) I can picture that right now. (laughs) So back to the story. The two fight in a train yard before Ghost Rider joins the fray. Samson drops an entire train carriage on the Hulk, but it only serves to anger the Green Goliath. The Hulk erupts into a rage and beats both Samson and Ghost Rider unconscious before starting to feel tired again. As Hulk starts to feel tired, he sees Betty and calls her friend, to which Betty breaks down in tears and tells him how much she hates him, with Rick Jones joining in with her sentiment in tears. This rages Hulk enough to burn the tranquilizer out of his system, but he is angry. Brutal. Isn't that brutal? It's a horrible bit. It is like it's like watching them kick a puppy. It's fair. It feels horrible, Uh, but he is. But but yeah. Sorry. Back to the thing. He he is angry at Betty and Rick, who revealed they were lying to him to help him. A confused Hulk flees from the scene, satisfied that the Hulk isn't a savage destroyer. Ghost Rider rides off to the next town. Watching the Hulk through his spy drone, the leader makes more sinister plans for Bruce Banner. Yeah, I that was that was kind of a bit of a bitter ending, a bit of sweet ending. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which most Hulk stories are. They are like that, yeah. bittersweet. So has the Hulk ever fought Ghost Rider in the comics? Because I can imagine that happen- happening. Yeah, but 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 not until very very recently. Um, well, sorry, I say that it's it's actually when I say very recently, it is of course since it happened probably fifteen years ago. Um, but mm. like it didn't it didn't happen until post two thousand, which to me is recently. Um, oh, the pain! Mm, that's what it feels like the pain. Uh, 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 you know, you know, in films. Sorry, my turn. You know, in films where it says present day New York, oh, I I always think oh, that's nineteen ninety seven. Mm, it's yeah. stuck in my head as present day 1997 <laughs> yeah 2000 feels like new and when I was all 10 years ago I go all 2000 like 1990 thousand. that's 10 years ago yeah um, anyway so so they they, they actually um, uh, come come to blows during the World War Hulk story which we will get to at some point it will be a bonus episode, though. I, I can't see it coming from anywhere else. Mm. Um, during which, oh, I'm gonna. All I'm gonna say is, the Hulk is on the warpath against a certain group of people, who will call the Illuminati. <laughs> okay. Um, and he's on a warpath against them. Mm. And Ghost Rider. It's the Johnny Blaze version of Ghost Rider, not Danny Ketch, who I think is more powerful. It's the original kind of Ghost Rider who is currently at odds with the demon that lives inside him, Zarathos. Um, and they are at odds about what's going on. And it's not going very well. It's doing a series written by Daniel Way. And uh, it kind of ignores the demon's urgings to keep on their quest because he sees the destruction and chaos that the Hulk is causing. 
and Johnny Blaze, concerned about the innocence, decides to use the Ghost Rider to go after Hulk and 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 kind of stop him. But that's against the will of the demon that powers him. Um, and yeah, they have a huge fight, um, and the battle is monitored by Doctor Strange and Mister Fantastic, and uh, Doctor Strange basically believes that of all the creatures on Earth, Ghost Rider could be the one that could stop the Hulk. Mm. Um, especially this Hulk. This Hulk is the most powerful Hulk that we've ever seen. Mm. Um, uh, this one that is tearing all across the globe, um, conquering all of Manhattan. Big, big, big stuff going down. Doctor Strange sort of talks about how the Ghost Rider's mystic power um, is is limitless really and it's only inhibited by the human side of Ghost Rider Johnny Blaze and he even calls um, Ghost Rider's powers godlike um, which seems so odd because we've not had anything to suggest this in the past <laughs> sometimes a new writer gets a hold of a character and is like I'm going to redefine the character and rather than kind of like give uh, we talked about in, in, in our Hulk bonus episode um, the the way in which that writer Let's you know that there are these changes to Hulk, and but there's reasons behind them, and it's there in the story. Sometimes a writer takes on a new character and decides I'm going to change how he's perceived simply by talking about him as if he's more powerful without presenting <laughs> something that says, yeah. oh, he gets a new thing and it makes him more powerful, or something in his past has always been holding him back, and now in the storyline that gets removed. So now he's powerful. Sometimes a writer just has another character goes, oh no, he's almost as powerful as a god. And you're like, really? The evil Knievel guy? <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. And, and they have this battle <laughs> which Johnny Blaze is apparently not, doesn't look like he's fully powered because the demon isn't cooperating. The Hulk easily defeats him. Um and uh, and 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 rides off, and and Zarathos basically that the demon and Ghost Rider basically refuses to fight the Hulk, because as Doctor Strange says at the end of the issue, Ghost Rider only protects the innocent, and none of the Illuminati that the Hulk is going after are innocent, so he won't stop them. Wow. Yeah. Oh God. Big battle. That yeah, that, that 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 does sound pretty epic. Will thank you as ever mm-hmm. for taking us ably through um, that that first episode of the Incredible Hulk series, Innocent Blood. What are your thoughts? We talked about what I'd, I'd, I'd like to know your thoughts on the episode, but mainly, I think I want to know mainly about Ghost Rider. How does that Ghost Rider compare contrast to the Nicolas Cage we saw and? Maybe just on the back of what we saw in this episode, would you have liked to see that character in in a cartoon series when you were a kid? Um, do you think it has legs or wheels? Wheels. I think it has some flaming wheels. Yeah. I, I, I would, as a kid, if I was watching this and they were making a Ghost Rider series, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't jump at it, but I'd be interested. Mm, yeah. Because it seems... I, I want to say Ghost Rider seems cliched, he seems like something. I like Ghost Rider from you know on on the surface, but he does look like uh, the what is drawn on the back of every single biker's jacket ever. 
Uh, right. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. That typical motif of, eh, it's a biker, but he's a skeleton and he's on fire. And it's like, yeah, that's every biker's motif right there. I think I think that comes from Ghost Rider. Oh, but maybe we're wrong. Who knows? I, 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 I wanted to have a pop at, an, a pop at people. But apparently I'm wrong. Uh, no, I don't. I'm not, I'm not. I don't know if it's definite. I just if, if, it, if, it would, if you go back to our Ghost Rider episode, it has such a long history that goes back to the '60s. It would. It would make sense if that was the case. If, it, if it goes, but you know what I mean. That kind of design is you. Yeah, the, the, that. The, the, they're very much like to combine demonic imagery with yeah. with 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 riding bikes. With so riding yeah. Bikes, yeah, yeah. I this episode, uh, uh, yeah, was 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 good. Was good. I I, I like the, tr- the, the 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 tension of Bill. Not Bill Bixby, Bruce Banner. <laughs> uh, Bruce Banner. I, I felt, yeah, that was that was a Bruce Banner. I, I like I like to see a troubled a troubled soul, even if it was a bit melodramatic. Yeah, I I, I liked I liked the the introspection. I liked the emotional yes. stuff going on. It, it, very similar to the, a lot of the emotional, you know, emotional heart ringing going on in the Spider Man stuff that we've seen, and indeed in some of the X Men as well. And completely missing from Iron Man, which the Iron Man cartoon, which feel like a big misstep. Yeah. Um, one thing, like before we leave Ghost Rider for a long period of time, because like, the next time we'll perhaps uh, tackle the. Um, the the second Nicolas Cage film twenty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes apparently mm-mm-mm. looking forward to eating that one up mm. um, the 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 nineteen nineties Ghost Rider toys are fantastic oh yeah they were I always wanted one I never saw them anywhere as a kid they they were brilliant they you could like push Danny Ketch's head down and then put a Ghost Rider head on it so he could transform um, they they brought out um, motorcycles for them to ride in <laughs> and the motorcycles all glowed in the dark with like neon plastic yeah the boxes yes. the boxes were incredibly cool each figure came with a free comic marvel comic um they were not supported by a uh a, a tv series though by a cartoon they didn't have one if you if you watch that great, I, I talk about it quite a lot with the nineties stuff. Um, the toys that made us documentaries, mm. docu series on Netflix. They always talk about how you can't release a toy line unless you have uh, a movie or a, or a cartoon or a TV show to support <laughs> yeah. it, because that's what drives sales and it advertises it a lot. And the Ghost Rider didn't have that. It does, however, have adverts you can find up on YouTube um, advertising the toy line. And the voiceover for the series is the guy that does Wolverine's voice in the X Men cartoon for some reason, um, <laughs> and they have animated sequences in the in the in the uh, in the in the in the cartoon of them. Of you can get Johnny Blaze figure, Ghost Rider mm. figure. You can you can get them all and great villains and everything. Uh, I would have loved some of them as a kid. They're far too expensive for me to invest in uh, now as an as a, as, a, as an adult. Uh, but pretty cool that in this Hulk series we get some. Really fun, funky, like B, D, C list uh, guest stars from around the Marvel universe. Um, speaking of which, coming up next, the next episode featuring Sasquatch. Carrying on with our incredible Hulk, uh, ex- not expose, I want to say expose, revealing all the dirty secrets from the 1996 children's. No, uh, carrying on with our, with our exploration into the 1996 Incredible Hulk series. Uh, the next episode that directly follows on from Innocent Blood, which is the homoerotically charged man to man, beast to beast. 
Mm. Will, what can you tell us about behind the scenes on the production of this episode? Right, so Sasquatch uh, first appeared in 1993 in an episode of the X-Men animated episode Repo Man, written by Len Wayne, and who co-created Wolverine. Three years later, he turns up in this episode of The Hulk, which is also written by Len Wayne. Ah. I, and I did go through just about all the episodes of the X-Men anim- animated series. And yes, I remember Sasquatch popping up. So that's interesting. Yeah. So, so, so it implies the, a potential crossover with the X-Men. Hmm. Yeah. But it's UPN Does versus it? Fox. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Also, I think from the content of this episode, oh, this yes. is meant to take place before the X-Men one. Yes, that would yeah, that would make sense. That would make a lot of sense. I think, I think, I'm not yeah. sure. Uh like the Hulk, Sasquatch is voiced by two actors. Uh Journeyman TV actor, uh Peter Strauss provides the voice of Walter Lankowski. Uh and the voice of Sasquatch was done by Kurgan himself, Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown on the cast. Gotta love to see it. And the thing is, Clancy Brown is—he's um, one of those people who is like, "Oh my God, it's that guy from the thing, and it's like, from the, from that thing and that thing and that thing and that thing." You know, all these great stuff. He's like, yeah. he was in um, uh, Shawshank Redemption as well, and things like, and, and Starship Troopers, I think, as well. He, he, yeah, he, he just has a habit of popping up in things, and you think, "Why is he? Why is he in the cartoon?" And it's like he does that as well. He's really good at cartoon voices. Uh, he he was just in um, Promising Young Woman, which is like getting reading loads of plaudits. Oh, came out this year. I need to see that. Yeah, no, heard, last year, last year. Sorry, I, I heard it's really good. Uh, he was also renowned for playing Lex Luthor in all the great DC cartoons and Mr. Krabs in SpongeBob SquarePants. He'll live forever now. Once you're in SpongeBob, you live forever. And that's the thing. That's that. that there was an interview with um, who was the guy? Who was the guy who played uh, Mermaid Man? Uh, no idea. He was in Escape from New York as well. No idea. Just a second. It's a good little. Thing. I don't. I don't think we can pause the episode to get this though. Can we? Will we can't pause the episode because <laughs> it's nothing. Because Mer- SpongeBob and Escape from New York are nothing to do with this. Nothing to do with this. Oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. You're not going to be able to focus until you find it out, are you? Okay. I'll. I'll sing some hold. Hold there's music no, while no... you go. There's, there's no hobbies. Basically, the actor who played uh, Mermaid Man was saying like, um, "Oh, he, uh, you know, he, he he was talking to some children or something on the set or something." And he's like, "Oh, do you know who I am?" And they're like, "No, no, 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 no." And and, and uh, I've been in this film. And they're like, "Well, he goes well." I'm also Mermaid Man from SpongeBob, and their face is lit up. Apparently, yeah, that's that's that, that's that's how it always goes, isn't it? Yeah, that's how it always goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has he has a very weird name. I forgot the actor's name. Anyway, uh, last bit of fact for this: the episode was directed by uh-huh, Tom T- Tom T, who was also, uh, as we said, director and producer of the Fantastic Four, etc. So yeah, he uh, he was he had quite creative control over this. He directed quite a few. Seems seemed to, yeah. yeah, seemed to get that impression. But that was the same when we talked about John Semper with yeah. the animated Spider Man. He seemed to be the main guy doing doing like the lion's share of the creative duties. That, that's that's what I called artistic vision. Artistic vision. Yeah. Only to get slapped down by a network. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Anyway, you've got some uh, juicy stuff for us, haven't you? The history of Sa- you got a bit of oh yeah a bit of history for us <laughs> that kind of juicy stuff yes yeah, of course we we went to do is we do character now we got to talk about him uh, Sasquatch yeah um, created by writer artist John Byrne um, I don't know how 
John Byrne um, was co-created with Chris Claremont uh, on on the X Men during their most celebrated period. Well, for for the first the first part of it anyway, he um, was a co-plotter with Chris Claremont as well as being the artist on the X Men for like mm. the Dark Phoenix saga, the Proteus saga, and all that kind of um, very important Days of Future Past, all that kind of stuff. Um, and 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 Sasquatch was created as part of Canada's answer to the Avengers Alpha Flight. Yes. Um team first appeared uh, in the X-Men in in 1979 in which they're sent to retrieve Wolverine from the X-Men. Basically Wolverine in this episode in this issue sorry is revealed to have been Canada's like premier weapon and superhero um although not really superhero premier secret weapon and since he went rogue and left the country and joined the X-Men Everyone is rather annoyed, and so the Canadian Prime Minister deploys Alpha Flight to um, basically drag Wolverine back home. Um, Now, Wolverine wasn't a very popular character at the time, and there was a lot of talk about scrapping him from the X-Men altogether, which would have been probably the end of the character. Mm. I mean, certainly as we know it. Might have hung around as a background cameo guy. Writer Chris Claremont and artist John Byrne uh, came up with stories to flesh out Wolverine's background. And basically, this story of Alpha Flight, it was invented as part of reasons to keep Wolverine in the book. Ah, That's That's where John Byrne invented Alpha Flight, as part of Wolverine's Canadian um, background. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, that's... Most of the... The, the the Alpha Flight team members have distinctly Canadian attributes. Yeah, um, Inuit or First Nations or French her- her- uh, heritage. So there's um, one of the one of the Alpha Flight guys is called Shaman. He's a First Nations medicine man um, who is a, a sorcerer. Um, Snowbird, who is an Inuit demigod. Mm. Um, and can transform into different animals of the of North North America and Sasquatch in the same vein, an ordinary man with the ability to transform into this super strong orange haired beast that resembles Bigfoot, mm. um, a North American myth and legend. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he, his transformation is triggered by willpower. It's not like rage, like the Hulk. Um, in his transformed state. Langowski has increased strength, stamina, resistance to injury, all the all the Hulk stuff, claw, claws, but he has his own mind as well. Um, he he maintains his his uh, mental faculties for the most part. Um, he's a main, Sasquatch, the mainstay of Alpha Flight team for mo- most of its history, um, and uh, working with Department H, who are in charge of Canadian like superhero, super spy stuff. In 83, Alpha Flight get their very own monthly comic book series written and drawn by John Byrne. And it's a success. It was very popular to begin with, really popular. Like I think the first few issues sold 500,000 copies each, which is a big, big success at the time. And that series ran from 83 to 1994. 130-plus uh, uh, issues with annuals and spin-off miniseries and things like that. It wasn't popular, you know, hugely popular the whole time. It wasn't like... It wasn't like uh, the X-Men was, but it was like the buzz of John Byrne, what he wanted to do next after X-Men. People were like, oh, is this going to be, are we going to get like another X-Men book whilst we're reading X-Men? That's going to be cool. And John Byrne was a very popular writer at the time. He was also Mm. writing and drawing um, Fantastic Four and, and things like that. So he had a lot of buzz behind his name. And 
that's that's how we get Sasquatch. That's how we get him in the um, X Men cartoon a couple of years earlier, and that's how we get him here now uh, in nineteen ninety six. So, Will, can you please take us through this episode, man to man, beast to beast? <laughs> In the Canadian wilderness, Bruce Banner is lost in the snow, trying to find Dr. Walter Lenkowski to find a cure for himself. Before he freezes to death, he finds a nearby village, but the ground he's standing on falls beneath him, and he ends up on thin ice, which cracked under him, sending him into an underwater current. Bruce transforms into the Hulk and smashes through the ice, makes his way onto land, where he finds an affectionate husky puppy, whom he follows to the village. Um, This is probably a question that everybody asks all the time why doesn't banner get stretchy clothing ah well he does basically uh the answer to that is well hmm, he, he, does he yeah it, it, they don't want to pay any ten. it's like saying when does captain america go to the toilet like it doesn't really matter <laughs> like we're not ever going to show it because it's gross and weird what do you want us to do do you want us to draw the hulk's peen no we can't do that it's a comic book that kids can buy so we just have to you know draw him with pants on all the time no no i mean just get stretchy clothing so he doesn't have little shorts running around like his daisy dukes there is no clothing Right, available that could contain the mass that is created when he becomes the Hulk. I bet Mr. Fantastic uh, get, would come listen, up with something. Listen, listen, man. If you're going to ask me questions, are you going to give me answers? I'm you're going to pick a lane. I'm just trying to hurry you to the answer. Are you trying to hijack this? Are you trying to do your own spin-off show where Will just has answers? Because that's not what I signed up for, man. <laughs> so there's a bunch of different things that have happened over the years. Um, there's there's an issue of um, Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Heroes for Hire. Like Luke Cage is the most uh, wonderfully dressed superhero in, in all of New York. Um, he wears these yellow silk shirts and they're always getting ripped apart in battle. <laughs> so he, we see him on one day doing his chores, doing running his errands, buying yellow silk shirts in bulk from this tailor. And there's a guy at the counter in a trench coat and a hat. You never see him. But he's wearing purple pants underneath the uh, purple trousers, underneath the trench coat, and uh, we just hear the um, the uh, the tailor hand him this big package and say, "There you go, Mister Banner, all your pants." <laughs> so Bruce keeps coming back to New York to buy pants in bulk. Apparently, um, Stanley was asked this question um, at some point in the in the two thousands. <laughs> and the interview went like this Stan, if it weren't for the comics code would Hulk's pants have ripped off like his shirt? Stan said I guess it probably would have <laughs> I guess it probably would have um, and then they said did you ever try to make sense of the Hulk's magical purple pants? why do they always conveniently remain intact while the rest of his clothes were ripped to shreds? and Stan is so I just adore it um, I just figured that Bruce Banner had probably been a friend of Reed Richards or something, and Reed had maybe given some elastic trousers. There's an explanation for everything, but you may not be technically advanced enough to follow me on all of this. <laughs> That's his answer. 
Yeah, elastic trousers. Unstable molecules would be the most um, recent answer. They came up with a way of how does Reed Richards' clothes yeah, stretch with yeah, him? Yeah. How do the, the human torches clothes not burn to ash? Unstable molecules. So we can assume, and Stan says here, uh, elastic trousers is the simplicity of his answer, but unstable molecules, one would guess. That, that, that's like, uh, you know, you know, like uh, when people are preg- so when, you know, when pregnant people sort of have like the old uh, the elastic band around the yeah. waistline. <laughs> it's like yeah. that, but the entire trousers. Yeah, well, they just they just move with your they just move with your whole body, so they're not yeah. they wouldn't be constricting you. They would be mo- yeah. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Cool. I'm glad we went there. Uh, back to the story. Peering into a nearby house, uh, he sees a fam a family happily playing together, which saddens him. The puppy leads Hulk to his owner, a young boy who's not frightened at the sight of the big green guy. However, his dad comes out in a panic, mistaking Hulk for a Sasquatch. The villagers hear the commotion and try to tie him down, but Hulk breaks free and rampages, taking out a gas station and a snowplow. Seeing the trouble... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I, 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 I like detail. Seeing the trouble he's caused, he flees in shame. So... Obviously, a program about the Incredible Hulk. There's a lot of property damage in the series. That is common in the comic books. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hulk, Hulk destroys everything. He's, he's Marvel's Godzilla. Uh, except, of course, for the fact that Marvel does have its own Godzilla, Godzilla which yeah. is Godzilla. Um, go and check out Marvel's Godzilla series. It's fun. When Hulk um, finds out the Avengers have replaced him on the team... He goes on a mad rampage, smashes up New York to go to the headquarters and yell at the the Avengers. And then later on, uh, the Hulk saves the day. Mm. So the Avengers commemorate him with a statue erected in his honour in Central Park. Mm. And that angers the Hulk as well. The Hulk goes and smashes the statue up and uses it to beat Thor. (laughs) Don't do anything nice to the Hulk. Or do anything bad to the Hulk. Don't do Um, anything to the Hulk. That's the correct one. Stay away. Uh, in our in our Patreon episode that we dropped this month, we we, we learned about one of the Hulk's um, new emerging personalities, uh, the Savage Hulk, the, the Savage mm. Green Hulk. Uh, in the late eighties, he went tearing through New York um, during this identity crisis. Um, he um, destroyed huge parts of Las Vegas once, Ooh. which led to a group of heroes taking drastic action which would eventually lead to mega stories like planet hulk and world war hulk so uh, lots of property damage there the uh dearly dearly departed uh, Dwayne mcduffie fantastic fantastic uh, writer creator came up with this 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 uh concept uh, of a uh, within marvel called damage control yeah and damage control were a private company uh construction company whose job it was would to be hired to come in and tidy up and undo all the damage caused by superhuman battles, mainly the Hulk. Um, he can he conceived the concept with an artist called Ernie Cullen, um, and uh, and wrote the initial stories. And Damage Control was pitched as to Marvel as a sitcom within the Marvel universe. <laughs> it's really really funny. Uh, it's really funny. Yeah. I loved it as a kid. Um, it's the damage control of the company is owned 50 50 by tony stark and wilson fisk um which is yeah and we see it in the mcu um damage control is a government agency that is somehow also partly ran by tony stark to clean up after the alien invasion in new york and subsequent battles yes and it ends up having a bad impact 
on the career of Michael Keaton's character that we see later down the line in Spider-Man. I can't wait to cover so, that film. So uh, Damage Control owe all their profits to Hulk's mad rampages. That's incredible. Back to the story. At Gamma Base... Sorry, Gamma Base. Shield agent Gabe Jones talks with General Ross about Sasquatch sightings in Canada, to which they both believe is the Hulk. Gabe flies off to find him. At the village, the young boy, Taylor, tells his dad that the Hulk wasn't the Sasquatch and was a friend. He takes his puppy off into the woods to uh, to find Hulk to make sure he's okay. In the forest, Banner collapses from exhaustion and is dragged away by an unseen creature. Worth saying at this point, that is a damn cute puppy. I'm glad you said puppy and not one of the awful doggo and all that nonsense. I'll have no truck with that. What, what, what is your problem with lovely words? They're not lovely words. They're awful. Uh, anyway, let's just carry on with the thing. <laughs> I just... I, 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 yeah, okay, okay. It's me making it, I, the face now. It's me when making I get the in, face. The problem is, when I get into it, people judge me for it, right? And they think I'm a monster. Yep. I don't like the infanticization of pets i don't like treating them like babies i don't like doggo i don't like pupper i don't i don't dislike animals i think they are wonderful creatures i've had pets in the past they're nice i don't like treating them like babies i think it's foul and it's disgusting and it means there's something deeply wrong with you there i said it doggo means you're slightly weird more than slightly a bit properly weird properly weird but that's just me judging you. <laughs> well, it was cute. <laughs> Back to the story. At a basement lab, Banner wakes up to see Dr. Walter Lankowski, who has taken the liberty of listening to Banner's audio diary entries about him trying to find Lankowski. You talk about taking a liberty. You're listening to my diary, Sunshine, while I'm asleep. Yeah. <laughs> that is taking a liberty. Yeah, but... You, you, I mean, this is this is the '90s. You couldn't exactly encrypt a tape player. You still shouldn't listen to someone's. I mean, maybe you didn't know it was a diary when you started listening to it. You just thought it was a very sad story. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like Radiohead. I thought it was a Radiohead song. <laughs> this is the most depressing podcast I've ever heard. This poor man. Oh, it's about Bruce. Oh no. Well, what have I done? I'm behind the line now. Better <laughs> finish. <laughs> yeah. Finish it. Uh, yeah. The scientist revealed he's been tracking the Hulk ever since his first sighting. He believes he knows how to reverse Banner's condition. As he's explaining this, Lankowski starts to reel in pain and tells Bruce that he's been going through some discomfort. Uh, I'd like to uh, stop the stop the podcast to uh, point out that Lankowski indeed has an awesome mullet. Men of this, men of men of the eighties, yeah, awesome mullets. Yeah, no, but it's like it, it branched into the nineties, you know, for some reason. Well, because he's a character from the eighties, you don't change. You don't. You don't change how a comic book character is like drawn. Yeah, that's that, that's yes. their style. Basically, it's you know you can't suddenly give Superman a ponytail. It's, I, I remember seeing Superman with an action mullet once. Yeah, he did have a mullet in the nineties. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, see, decade too late for mullets. There was a flashpoint yep. with mullets. You missed it, mate. Well, you know what? No, it wasn't a mullet. He had long hair. Long hair. Superman. Superman never had a mullet. No, he didn't have a mullet. He had long hair in the 90s, yeah. There we go. Uh, does Hulk ever find a cure, though? Uh, yes. So the Hulk debuts in The Incredible Hulk, issue 1, 1962. And he is cured by issue 4. 
Bye bye. Issue four. <laughs> issue story. four. Banner gets a cure. So. <laughs> so. Um, My life yeah, is so Banner... punctual and makes so much sense. I can't live like this. Um, Rick Jones reads a lot of Banner's notes and and basically believes that if he subjects the Hulk to more gamma rays, he'll turn back into Banner. And he does, and it works. He turns back into Banner. And Banner does a lot of cursive studies and goes, oh, right, okay, so just regulated doses of gamma will will allow me will allow me to to control the transformations. I'll gamma myself up to turn to Bruce and gamma myself back. And so that's what he does. He decides to rather than stay as Banner forever, use gamma rays to keep turning himself into the Hulk when he wants to. And when he does this, the Hulk now has the intelligence of Bruce Banner. Mm. But he does maintain the um, brutish machismo of the Hulk. Yeah. So that's another thing. So early Hulk at this stage, Hulk is not a mindless, savage child. That comes a lot later on. Hulk at this stage in the early issues, he's talking in full sentences. Um, he is much more. He, his size is different. He's like he looks like a troll mm. rather than like a giant monstrous beast. And he he talks like a like a thug, like um like a hoodlum. Hoodlum. Um, yeah. So uh, that's what happens. The Hulk decides that he, when he wants to commit good deeds, he will bombard himself with gamma rays and become the Hulk, and then go out and he helps a family whose house are on fire and stuff. And then he goes back to his secret cave. His his Hulk cave and bombards himself with Gamma and turns back into Bruce Banner. So the problem is solved in issue four. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like that. But what happens is the Gamma Ray machine, um, the, 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 the machine that's bombarding him with Gamma and things like that, it, it has side effects. It yeah. makes Banner um, sickly and weak when he's when he's normally Banner. Um, by uh, the third issue of Avengers, which is when Hulk leaves the Avengers, overuse of the Gamma Ray machine has turned the Hulk into like an uncontrollable rampaging monster. Um, and he keeps changing back and forth without control again. So that's all come back. And that's when he starts to act more and more villainous, go on rampages, attack the Avengers, things like that. So there was a cure, but... Banner chose to keep using the power of the Hulk. And that hubris led to uh, 60-odd years of hell. Wow. Okay. Back to the story. Back at the village, Taylor's parents notice he's missing and his mum starts to worry. In the forest, Taylor follows Hulk's tracks and hears what appears to be Hulk's cry. Banner looks through Lankowski's tapes. The first one he plays shows an experiment where Lankowski tries to cure his eyesight with gamma radiation. As the experiment continues, the gamma radiation turns the scientist into Sasquatch, a hairy behemoth. At that point, Sasquatch himself breaks through the door and grabs Banner, but before he can harm him, Sasquatch suddenly feels shame over what he's become and transforms back into Lankowski. If only, if only induced radiation did this sort of thing, you know, instead of just giving you cancer... <laughs> a different world that would be. Um, Lex Luthor, um, before all of DC's many nonsenses with um, hmm. the New 52, um, Lex Luthor uh, in the 90s had taken to wearing a kryptonite ring hmm. to um, always keep Superman at bay. 
It was a like an ostentatious mark of real power. Yeah. It's like the rarest substance on earth and he wears it on like a signet ring and it's also like Superman's not gonna get anywhere near me like that. Well after a while, uh it it gave his hand cancer. And um they <laughs> because because humans shouldn't hold on and grasp yeah. radioactive rocks from outer space. Um, yeah. and he had to have his hands amputated. So there you go. Wow. You think you would have at least run a Geiger counter over it once. Just to make Lex is meant to be like the smartest yeah. man on earth as well. That is unbelievable. Oh, that's that's angered me. The most the most routine check was right there and he didn't <laughs> Oh, what an idiot. So is this how Dr. Lenkowski contains Sasquatch in the comic books? Is it gamma related? Because I thought he was an uh, X Men. So the Alpha Flight are not mutants. Oh, oh, nope. oh! That's As we said, like one is a demigoddess, one is a mystic first uh, First Nation sorcerer. Yeah, you say that, but I, 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 I'm going. Oh, they're a mutant, but they're like a demigoddess. <laughs> you know, like Storm was considered it's considered like a god of Storm or something. Oh, people think be no Storm's just a mutant. Okay, okay, okay. Definitely not mutant, then you carry on. She's not a god, no. Um, So, uh, Dr. Walter Langowski was working on gamma radiation because he he wanted to create a controllable Hulk. Mm. A lot of what happens with with, with Alpha Flight is that the, the, the Canadians are trying to catch up to America in this, like, new arms race of... We haven't got any superhero, superhero, super soldiers. So there's an awful lot of how can we replicate? How can we? How can we have a Hulk, mm. a version of the Hulk? Wouldn't it be great to have a controllable version of the Hulk? And Larkowski believes he can do it. He bombards himself with a massive amount of gamma radiation at his like um, his um, uh, hut, science hut in the Arctic Circle, science um, hut. I can't think what to call it. His shed, lab, his shed, lab. That's shed. what I meant. No, it's a la- laboratory, uh, but it's at the Arctic Circle. Yeah. And and he bombards himself with gamma and turns himself into this huge Sasquatch creature. Um, goes on a big mad rampage and is found by um, Snowbird and Shaman from Alpha Flight, who I don't think Alpha Flight's quite happened just yet. And they help him learn how to control the rage, keep his personality and his intelligence, even when he's in his beast form. Um, and there's a they have to come up with an explanation for why he is a big orange guy and not a green guy because all gamma characters in Marvel go green <laughs> and they don't seem to have much of an answer for it but at some point Lankowski assumes it has something to do with and I know where this is going to go try and keep a lid on it if you can Will Uh-oh. Lankowski assumes it has something to do with his proximity to the Aurora Borealis. Are you okay? You good? You dealing with that? Yeah? You don't have to say it, Will. You don't have to do the the Simpsons meme quote that we all know. You can just walk walk away. You should be a better man. Just be a better person. You don't have to let it bubble out. Well, I mean I don't have to do the Simpsons quote. On this yeah. podcast in no, this bit of the to. country, no, localized you right now. Oh, God, no, I didn't <laughs> even see it. I didn't even see it coming. <laughs> I was thinking about how to phrase it sneakily in my head, and then get past your senses. 
Okay, so there's that. So apparently the proximity of Aurora Borealis stops you from going green when you bombard yourself with Gamma. Imagine that. But, Something green stops you going green. But uh, that was all nonsense. Um, un- un- unbeknown to Langowski, it was not the Gamma rays that turned him into Sasquatch. Um, later on in, in, the, in the monthly Alpha Flight comic book series, it's revealed in some stories that... The Sasquatch is not a creature of gamma science at all, Ooh. but one of mystic origins. Um, Langowski's lab equipment actually opened a doorway between our world and this uh, mystic realm that that some old older civilizations called the realm of great beasts. And when this portal was opened, he was linked to slash taken over by a beast known as Tanarak. Um, and when he transforms into Sasquatch, that's Tanarak beginning to take him over especially when he when he felt you know anger and pain as if he lost more of himself to the beast tanning rack um tanning tanarak tanning rack no tanarak no tanarak you've had your little fun and games before that's all you get in this one there's absolutely no Um, fun to be had in this podcast no not in marvel versus marvel (laughs) um whilst initially um uh, Legowski is successful in maintaining his control and looks like he's going to be nothing like you know the, the Hulk. Um, the demon Tanarak grew stronger and stronger as the Alpha Flight series went on, and Sasquatch became more and more bestial and savage until eventually he's completely overtaken. Um, and in a heartbreaking issue, Snowbird is forced to rip out her friend's heart in order to stop the demon from from doing more damage. That's badass. That's yeah, it. wow. That's the Sasquatch's secret origin. That, that I, I was just hoping mutant, but no mutants, no mutants. Just parallel dimensions and heart ripping. Back to the story. Mystic, mystic dimensions aren't parallel dimensions. That do we need to get that clear? Sorry, mystic dimensions. No, like Doctor Strange is not dealing with parallel dimensions. That's Reed Richards. Reed Richards doing parallel dimensions. Doctor Strange is doing like mystic dimensions. There's a, there's a, there's a difference. dimensions. Yeah, sure. I'll go with that. <laughs> Back to the story. Banner chides Lankowski for making himself his own test subject. Lankowski is certain that the experiment can work for both him and Banner, but is also worried that the beast might take over him. Imagine being lectured about scientific health and safety by Bruce frickin' Banner, the absolute barefaced cheek of the man. You've just destroyed eight towns on your way over here because your experiment went wrong. I think, flip side, that makes him the utmost authority on on, on how things can go wrong. Yeah, fair play, fair play. Fair play, I'm very clever. Uh, (laughs) In the forest, Taylor's father with some other villagers discover Taylor's footprints alongside Hulks and follow them. At the lab, Lankowski commences the experiment on both Banner and himself, bathing them with gamma radiation. Outside the lab, Taylor has tracked down the Hulk's footprints and goes inside just as the experiment goes wrong, causing Banner and Lankowski to transform. The explosion and the lab alerts Taylor's dad, and he and the other villagers go to investigate. We joked about this being a homoerotic title, and and, and then, in the middle, they're bathing together. Uh. Yeah. (laughs) And, and and the bo- small boy walks in. No, and no, they, they none t- of that. None they, of that. Thank you. No, no, I don't mean like that. I mean like, no, we're just cuddling. <laughs> let's okay. Let's move on. I am moving on, but I, I, I no. I, let's just move on. <laughs> I am moving on anyway. 
it's Holt chased uh, and hunted by members of the public like this. I mean, I can imagine there'd be some people who think they can have a go. It's all very Frankenstein's monster in this series, yeah. isn't it? Which is good. Which is good. Um, I'm you get it very occasionally in the early days, but it's not really a regular occurrence. It's more the army that are yeah, chasing him, yeah. government agencies that are chasing him. Um, when he becomes the childlike Hulk, he just wants peace and quiet. He doesn't lash. He wouldn't lash out at an angry mob. He's more no, prone to just true. run away and hide in the desert. Um, and then over time, you know, you get through to the once. Once, uh, aside from Batman defeating him with a kick to the stomach, um, <laughs> uh, as you get to the eighties and, and and beyond, Hulk becomes, especially in the time period we talked about, you know, with the Professor um, and, and and all of that sort of stuff, the Hulk becomes more and more powerful, so that it becomes ridiculous to imagine a group of villagers attacking him with rocks and and sticks and stuff that that would be a ludicrous thing to happen um and it depends entirely on context uh gray hulk joe fix it manages to live a very happy domestic life in las vegas staying in hotels drinking champagne and cavorting with strippers no one's no one in vegas is trying to run him out of town with pitchforks and flaming torches and things um, Joe Fixit's just a cool dude that everyone fears. If there was one place on earth where I couldn't <laughs> imagine pitchforks or any other farming equipment, it would be Las Vegas. If it's one place on earth where they're not likely to like chase a weirdo out, it's Vegas. Yeah, de- oh, yeah definitely. Oh, God. Right, we're coming up to the last bits of this episode. Outside the lab, Hulk protects Taylor from an enraged Sasquatch. The hairy beast throws Hulk into the ice and the two battle until they shatter the icy lake, causing Taylor to fall under the freezing water. Without a moment to lose, Hulk dives into the water and saves Taylor. Seeing what a horrible thing he's done, Sasquatch tears the ice he stood upon away and floats off in shame. Taylor's dad arrives with the other... Shame! Taylor's dad arrives with the other villagers advancing on Hulk. Taylor tells everybody not to hurt him. His father realises that Hulk is protecting his son and orders him to stop. They all watch Sasquatch as he floats away, overcome with sorrow at the monster he has become. After apologising to the Hulk, the big green guy gives a tearful farewell to Taylor and flees, just as Gabe Jones arrives, only to find the villagers sabotaging his aircraft to stop him finding the Hulk. (laughs) I love that bit. Their new friend. (laughs) This is the thing. Um, Gabe Jones um, went off to find him at the beginning and i was like oh great some shield action and then it's like no. oh that was <laughs> that, that that led nowhere he was this episode's leader it's like they're after him but it's not going to happen in this episode right so it's more like a like planting the seeds planting the mm, yeah seeds they, have, they have this 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 like these, these little threads of the story carry on until we get to this big uh culmination at the end <laughs> yeah so Hulk has Hulk ever made friends like this? Because this seems like a bit of a sudden friendship. Like he did destroy a petrol station. Uh, see- defenders of the Earth, defenders. Du, du. So, <laughs> in the nineteen seventy, the Hulk teams up with Doctor Strange yes. and Namor the Submariner. Um, and that little friendship circle would eventually be, be, become the Defenders. Um. And it's a story that happens purely by accident. Mm. 
um, Hulk gets friends by accident. So Roy Thomas was writing this Doctor Strange story because um, he was writing Doctor Strange. That was his comic. Mm. It was about like Lovecraftian beings called the Undying Ones attacking Earth. But in the middle of the story, Marvel cancels the Doctor Strange comic. <laughs> um, this happened a lot at the time. So the only way for Roy Thomas to finish the story was to finish it off in the two other comic books he was writing at the time, Hulk and Namor the Submariner. Ah, which is exactly what happened. And that happenstance brought those three characters together. And honestly, this is so weirdly common in Marvel Comics um, around the time. Stories get, um, comic books get cancelled before a story is finished. And the writer, like, finishes the story off in a completely random other comic because they happen to be writing it. Um, so, yeah, and then uh, another team up around that time, this, this Roy Thomas writing again, Hulk. Namor and the Silver Surfer formed this powerful trio that battled the Avengers. Um, now, this was, it was never meant to be a team, but it was two different stories that ended up having the Hulk partnering, allying with people and, and sharing a common bond. And it became so popular, it all culminates in Marvel putting these outcasts and loners together in a regular monthly comic book called The Defenders. Ah. So Hulk, Namor, Doctor Strange, and the Silver Surfer form a team. Um, an immensely powerful team. You know, those are some powerful, powerful dudes. Um, really, really, you know, top tier in terms of power sets and would rival the Avengers. Um, virtually any Avengers lineup would really struggle with with uh, with those dudes mm-hmm. if it came to blows. And there was... Um, they actually had that, the Avengers Defenders War that took place in, in uh, the Avengers Defenders comics, which was kind of fun. And ever since then, Hulk has always shown to have a strong connection to those three characters. Um, like Silver Surfer doesn't judge him. Namor doesn't name him and Namor go back because you know when he first turns and attacks the Avengers, he's teaming up with Namor the Submariner because Namor has this tricky history of being a villain half the time and a good guy the rest of the time. He's a very conflicted character like Hulk is. Um, and Banner particularly has this very strong bond with Doctor Strange who, even outside of Defender's stories, would provide Hulk with, like, sanctuary. Well, yeah, provide Hulk with sanctuary and then also try and help Banner try to control the beast. So that's that's Hulk's kind of friendship. That's this Hulk's friendship. Right, okay. Um, to see how another version of the Hulk does things, you'll have to go to Patreon and listen to the episode <laughs> we recorded when we talked about the Pantheon. Um, which is uh, a very interesting little time in Hulk's history. But I've, I've never seen him befriend a whole village of people and a boy and a little dog. It's all very lassie. I, uh... yeah, I think it was made for the cartoon. It felt like they just did it for the cartoon. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of that happening in this, but but I think it balances with the, the darker tone quite well. Mm. Um, Will... Your final thoughts on on the Hulk series, then? Um, I, not just, you know, we talked about Ghost Rider, but the series as a whole. Well, from what I've seen, it's it's all right. It's all right. I can see why it didn't last long. I think they, they got the tone right, and they did some good things with, like, throwing other characters in. But, I don't know, it just doesn't stand out as, as well as, say, Spider-Man or the X-Men. Oh no, definitely not. Those are very, very top tier. 
you know they 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 they, they had much higher budgets and things like that yeah. um and they seemed to have people on board that were really passionate and were writing with intent um I mean, how does it compare to what the Iron Man cartoon we looked at? Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah, definitely better than the Iron Man cartoon. Definitely, but I, yeah, the, the Iron Man cartoon was just like it. It just didn't feel like it did. It just felt like a mess. Yeah, complete. This, 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 this feels like it has. Um, it, this isn't a mess. Yeah, definitely. I think not there's a, a lot of there's a lot of care, um, and 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 you can feel the work put into the writing and stuff, but. Um, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't explode like the other ones do. Yeah, it really it, connect with you. It doesn't leap out. It's very mild. It's 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 more credible than incredible. Oh, that we've got to leave it on that note. That's a brilliant note to end it on. Say it again. It's more credible than incredible. So, Rob, do you have a reading list for the audience? Yes, um, I think classic Danny Danny Catch. Ghost Rider stuff is really, really cool, really, really fun, um, and really, really popular. Uh, or it might be interesting to take a look at why it's popular and why it's different. Um, so you can check out uh, if you if you search for Ghost Rider Danny Ketch Classic. Um, I'm not sure how in print a lot of these trades are. Certainly in the UK, they they look to be uh, eye wateringly expensive. Some of them, so they mm. they may have slipped out of print, which will jack the prices up. Um, but but um, eBay is always your friend and your local comic book uh, store or online shop can help you out. Ghost Rider Danny Catch Classic is a good one. If you want to see the Hulk fight Ghost Rider, you're going to need to check out Ghost Rider by Daniel Way, the complete collection. Um, that's got um, that's got his uh, his fight in there along with some other cool Johnny Blaze stuff. That's not Danny Catch with Johnny Blaze. I really recommend Alpha Flight by John Byrne. Um, which you can find if you search for Alpha Flight by John Byrne, or indeed it might be called Alpha Flight Classic Volume One. Um, you can you can check out uh, Canada's top premier uh, superhero team. They're not mutants, but they're still groovy people. Um, and if you want to see the Hulk and his friends all together, uh, Essential Defenders Volume One that features um, those 1970s stories of Hulk uh, forming this team with Doctor Strange, Silver Surfer, Namor the Submariner. Um, that's really really cool. As ever, we, we we really urge you don't use Amazon to buy your comic books. Um, there are local comic book shops in your area. A simple Google search will reveal them. You can uh, go and support the bricks and mortar companies, or you can find really brilliant online comic book shops that will uh, take your money uh, safely and securely, usually by PayPal, and ship the comics to your house, just like Amazon will. Maybe you have to wait an extra couple of days to get them, but it's not the end of the world, and it means your money is supporting the infrastructure of comic book industry, supporting the shops, the stores, and more money is going to pay for the comics rather than whatever Amazon do, where everything is virtually um, not, where it's just v- ridiculously weirdly cheap and not enough money is going to vendors. So please don't use Amazon to buy your comics. Um, yes, that being said. We have an announcement of the next episode, yes. which I think people are going to really enjoy. Yes. We're entering into June, which will be halfway through the year. It's time, Will. I feel it's time. It is. It's time for us to revisit the MCU. 
Um, we, we've obviously had some amazing experiences uh, using the, 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 the Disney Plus shows as catalysts to talk about characters. We, we've done Wanda and Vision. We've done Falcon and Winter Soldier. And earlier this year, we put the cap on Phase 2 with our exploration of Ant-Man, the, the movie. It's time for us to finally open the door on Phase 3. The next episode of Marvel vs. Marvel will feature us giving you the definitive take on Captain America Civil War. Don't miss out on that. Don't miss out on the bonus episode that will spin out of that. There is so much coming in, in, in the next month, in June. Make sure you head to patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel get your membership signed up pledge to us and make sure you have access to all the amazingly fun bonuses to come and we will see you next time thanks for listening to marvel versus marvel please take the time to like us rate us subscribe leave a glowing review and hey why not recommend us to a friend who loves marvel comics and movies. Join us next time as we dive into Captain America Civil War.